So we've been very clear about this. Um, there is only one country who is currently building up uh, their forces at the Ukraine border, and that's Russia. So we've been very clear about this. Um, there is only one country who is currently building up uh, their forces at the Ukraine border, and that's Russia. Uh, you're looking there at Russian troops and Russia. Well, 3,000 more American troops are now being sent to Europe. Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Tuesday, February 15th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. And an obviously important show with what's going on in the world. We're going to take a little bit of a break from some of the COVID-related stuff, except for we're going to talk about the, the trucker convoy. But not in the context you might expect today, because this is a really interesting crossover that I, I mean, there was the focal point for me began around the idea of how this is obviously being just, we're going to show you very clearly how at the very least, not that this can't become something in Ukraine just because of narrative, but it is narrative. There is little happening here other than narrative being spun. And I'm going to show you how far it goes back long before they've been yelling about it. It's been discussed and building and it ties back to what they want to happen. It's not really happening the way they want it to, whether it's Crimea or different discussions from foreign policy perspectives that they were poking and, and prodding right before this all started. And it's very interesting to see how this very clearly is just like everything else we've seen before. Now, the point is not that that obviously can't become something bad. Just because, you know, just even blustering can cause something to create a war or some kind of kinetic action. And that the first idea for me was that that was all just more so narrative and bluster just to hide from you what's really going on in regard to, and not even just COVID-19, but how there's a war being waged against you, your life, the way you conduct your life, and how you think she, your life should be conducted, how it should go forward, whether technologically, in regard to your health. As Whitney Webb coined in the beginning of all this, and I still think it's as relevant as ever, your body is the new battlefield. I just can't, the more, every time I think about that, it's so incredibly pressing. She said this in the beginning of 2020 when we're doing our, our election special. And obviously those continue to, to become more relevant and come to fruition. But the idea that your body is the focus, your life is the focus, and they are attacking that in every possible way. And of course, the trucker convoy we're going to talk about after the opening with Ukraine is that exact same point. That's not just the United States, obviously. This is a worldwide agenda. And in Canada, it seems to be going the way of Australia now, where they're taking the lead, it seems. Emergencies Act, you know, which was a, a war-focused act. Before this, they just like to change the name, pretend like it's something else. That's now being initiated because of protests. Now, I'm going to get into as well my skepticism, my concerns about what that is. I've said from the beginning, it's very clear this is a, if not entirely, by and large, predominantly organic movement. At least that's how it began. And I believe it's still like that now. There's, oh, I just realized I forgot a point that I was going to get into today that I didn't grab before I started, but I'll reference it as we go through. Somebody that I know was there. In fact, it was the parents of that letter that I wrote to you. The, the parent, the, the son is the one that sent that letter. And for those who don't remember, I just read a letter recently talking about how he felt that I saved his parents' life by giving them information to open their eyes to what's going on. 
they reached out to them, to me personally, the parents and said, and he, everything he said was right. That, that we feel you saved our lives, that we now see this. And, and it's amazing to me. It, it, you know, again, it kind of brought tears to my eyes, but the point is that they were there. They said they were at one of these protests and they were there and they're there not because of partisanship. And they're, to their point, they were previously CNN watchers. They're now waking up to the reality and that it's the, the reality of the, there is no partisanship. It's all an illusion. And the point that they were out there fighting for what? Their right to make their own choices. So whether or not you want to say it's everybody else was an alt-right supremacist, white supremacist, whatever, the point is there are people that are there for that reason. And I do believe that's most of it. So my point in saying all of that is to realize that they are broad brushing this in a way to make them all white supremacists, alt-right domestic terrorists. Now, once we get into the Ukraine conversation and the Azo or uh, uh, Azov regiment, you may not know who they are, but you will in a moment. And understanding what this means and what this really represents about Ukraine and their government, it's going to begin to get really confusing about why Biden's administration is waging a war against supposedly white supremacy and alt-right while openly supporting them against Russia right now. And then realizing that I believe this is something bigger than that. So not only are they hiding the war on you, but I believe what's happening in Ukraine, at least in part, because there's always more things going on than we can see, this is a breeding ground. Remember how Syria went from, you know, the, the uh, shuttling people over from Libya, right? All the extremists that they wanted to use and basically ending up in Syria where that that became the reason for what they carried out. We all we should all know this by now. There's this is a complete fabrication, just like we've seen everywhere else from this government and all the ones working with them. Now, not to necessarily suggest that that's going to mean an eventual invasion of Ukraine, because ultimately right now they're on the U.S. government side. In fact, they're completely under their thumb. But it, me, it, I see it as a breeding ground for what they're framing as the next big threat internationally and domestically. That's different than we've seen before. And what does that mean? Why are they growing it here? Why are they cultivating this here? I believe it's going to become something larger, or at least that's what they're trying to make happen. So let's get into this. And I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts about both sides of this and how you see this going. I want to start with just this really interesting picture. I had to use this for the opening, the, the main picture today, because I just think it's ridiculous. Like, I know it's a small point, but it's it's odd to me. So this is a picture of Biden. There's a bunch of them and their virtual meeting. And it's just so strange. If you just look look closely, Bi Biden is it's when they're meeting and Biden's waving like a child and smiling at this guy that he's framing as the worst person alive, enemy number one. Right. Like the guy, the one, the, like the biggest threat on the planet, at least right now in this moment of com of propaganda. And this is, I mean, you could pretend that this is just being amicable, but a big smile. Hey, hey, buddy. You know, he just seems like a child has no idea what's going on. Right. I mean, it's strange to me. That's just my personal opinion. You know, just a completely subjective point. I just thought it was humorous. And over here, Putin's kind of just like, OK, this guy, you know, it's just, it's just kind of interesting to me. Now, personally, I think both of these people are capable of some pretty terrible things governments and and lots of condensed power at the top is very dangerous doesn't and just just because i would perceive what looking at these two people as putin being the one that is exponentially more uh, not agile what's the word i'm looking for just he's a better politician and you know how i think about politicians so that's not all that's pretty much not even really a compliment but the point is that he since long before all this long before this administration has been you know, working circles around these people in regard to how they conduct themselves, not taking the bait when they totally try to get them to take action in Syria and so on. Right now, people may see that as weak. Turk personally, how this has all gone so far. I think Putin has taken has beat them out in every political move they've been doing since long before Trump and before. I mean, we watched this take place. 
Now, again, make sure you hear that that is no way a this guy is the better person. I think they're both governments and both manipulators very clearly. I just think he's better at manipulating. I think that's hopefully pretty clear. Now, how much you want to bet that's going to get framed as Ryan's supporting of Russia? Because that's that we're back in that Russia addressing part of the, the manipulation today, where you even utter the word Russia and you're suddenly a very dangerous person, or you say the same talking points and suddenly you're towing Russian. No, you know, we'll get into that today from Zero Hedge. How about it's just that it's a true point, right? Suddenly they're saying the same thing that's based in open, just general reality. But if you say it too, well, now you're a Russian chill. You see where this goes. But I want to start with Robert's article today. And just to go through some of the points he made about this exact topic. This came out today, as well as three other fantastic articles, two about uh, Palestine and one about Syria. Keeping up on really what's going on around the world. And I hope you are key. I hope you guys are cued into everything he's putting out on this website, because it's it's what's it's, in my opinion, the reality that you're not getting in any mainstream media. Now, this is entitled False Predictions About Russia Invading Ukraine Are Making People Fear World War III. When he said on the 3rd of February, you know, the important part is this is he's framing since the beginning of sort of the big mainstream media push and how this is all working, corporate media. But it started long before February 3rd. And it started long before even the points we're going to get into. But I want people to recognize that this is something that has been building for a long time. The narrative included. Even the idea that, oh my gosh, they're about to invade Ukraine. Well, you might think that's only just recently happened and it's all been building, but no, it's been said many times. They just hasn't been picked up or they didn't tell the media to start bleeding about it over and over. So what, does that make sense? Is it confusing? It should be because how can it have been ongoing and about to happen for two months? <laughs> well, you should ask that question even if it's a week. They're one day away. It's going to happen tomorrow. They're going to do it by 1 a.m. It's going to happen at the Olympics. And it, it's ridiculous. At the very least, you should ask, well, if they keep changing the time and the date, why would we listen to the next one? <laughs> sort of like with COVID-19. It's probably the last reference I'll make. No more COVID today. It says, on the 3rd of February, the White House indicated that intelligence information supposedly in their possession, which is what we hear every single time, and they never, ever prove that, had indicated Russia would use crisis actors and staged videos to justify invading Ukraine, which is hilarious to anybody that's been following all of this because of how they would regard anybody anywhere talking about those things. If you even use the term crisis actor, you're a ridiculous human being to these people. Yet here they are pointing at them and they're doing it. Just don't miss the ridiculousness of that. The information, and by the way, that's not in any way to suggest that crisis actors or this concept is ridiculous. Like this is a verifiable reality. They have postings for crisis actors. Now, yes, they could argue that's for um, exercises and so on. But we have to remember that in places like Syria, even the White Helmets, they have been caught doing this. So people that aren't going to believe that aren't going to believe it no matter what I say, but I could do an entire show making that very clear. But the point is you guys should be smart enough to do your own due diligence and recognize this is a very real thing or even the idea of a false flag. Now it says this information was eaten up almost uncritically by the West media, which is what they're paid to do. Even those reporting on it with a somewhat critical take still promoted the idea is valid. Now, Matt Lee, as you got, you saw us discuss and watch the whole video, in fact, a journalist for the Associated Press repeatedly called on the White House spokesman, Ned Price, who struggled terribly with it, for proof of the U.S. government's allegations during the press conference earlier this month. Now, I figure we watch a really quick part of this just to get the gist of it so you guys who haven't seen it can understand what I'm getting at. It's pretty hilarious. Actions such as these suggest otherwise, suggest meaning they, they suggest they're not interested in talks and they're going to go through some kind of a... What action are we talking about? One, the actions I've just pointed to, uh, the, fact, the, the fact that Russia continues to engage uh, in disinformation, 
campaigns. You've made an allegation that they might do that. Have they actually done it? Uh, what we know, Matt, is what we what I have just said that they have engaged in this activity. But let me let me because, because obviously this is not this is not the first time we've made uh, these reports. Yeah, public. yeah. You'll remember <laughs> that just a few well, weeks I'm ago. Sorry, you made, made what report public? If you'll let me finish, I will okay. tell you what report we made okay. public. Uh, we told you a few weeks ago that we have information indicating Russia also has already prepositioned a group of operatives to conduct a false flag operation in eastern Ukraine. So that, Matt, to your question, is an action that Russia has already well, taken. It's an action that you say that they have taken, but you have shown no evidence to, 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 to confirm that. And I'm going to get to the next question here, which is, what is the evidence that they, I mean, this is like crisis actors, really? This is like Alex Jones. <laughs> um, what evidence do you have he didn't like to that. support the idea that there is some propaganda film in the, in, in the making? Matt, this is derived uh, from information known to the U.S. government, intelligence information that we have declassified. I think you well, know. Okay, well, where, where is it? Where, where is this information? It is intelligence information that we have declassified. Well, where is it? Where is the declassified information? Look at that face. I just delivered it. No, you made a series of out. Okay, you get the gist. Guys, this goes on for 10 minutes. And you we watched, hopefully, you, we, I, you should watch the entire thing. I mean, it is absolutely baffling that these people... I mean, he. I, this I said this last time. I won't get into it too deep, but the bottom line is, I mean, he's looking at him like I just told you, man. The whole point is, he is framing statements by the government as the evidence itself, and that's not meant. That's not an accident. That's not meant to be a one-off. I mean, this is what they do. He is saying that because we said it, that is the evidence. And Matt's like, that's ridiculous. You have to present the evidence and then you can talk about the evidence. This guy is literally saying if the government says it, that is the evidence. And this is how they're going forward with everything. But by the way, it's always been like this. This is not new. This is just ridiculously obvious by the way this either terrible guy at his job did or said it, the way he said Ned said this, or because they're not realizing how obvious it's getting. COVID-19 has changed a lot of this because of the way that they... The idea today with all of it, right? It is that way because we said it. Science says, don't you know, stupid? And you don't look at it because that's there's nothing to look at. Or rather, it says the opposite. This is the same thing. So taking this going forward, this is where we are, where they're basically going, Russia's doing this. Okay, prove that. I just did. I said it. That's everything, guys. If you want to sum up the entire narrative, that's it right there. That's what's happening. Prove me otherwise. Right? I mean, it's you won't because there is literally nothing happening but Russia moving inside its own borders and U.S. pointing at that. And by the way, that even in and of itself has not been fully vetted out. I mean, you can argue that you can have videos of people moving and doing stuff, but it is as, as, as many as they claim. Russia seems to say otherwise, but they could be lying. The point is it's within their own country. And what's the other thing happening? U.S. government and its allies moving things all around right up to the border of Russia. Now, what does that look like to you? If that was the exact reverse situation, the U.S. government would be losing its mind. And in fact, would be taking kinetic action outside of their country all over the place, which is what they run to. Kind of different, isn't it? But taking that going forward, since then, it says, there have been numerous predictions about when Russia will invade Ukraine, in all of which Moscow is painted as being the irrational aggressor. Uh, irrational aggressor. With, by the way, no evidence other than what the government says they know they will do based on what their intelligence says. Like, think about how dumb that is. From the very government that's lied to you about a million different things. Like if they had something and just said, well, here's a leaked document. They mean, make it up for crying out loud. They're not even doing that. They're just saying, we know, trust us. How many times have we seen this and have it go the other direction? Every time. 
Tabloid newspapers have gone with headlines like on the brink of on the brink. Will there be World War Three? Like this is literally what the main corporate media is doing. The journalists out there on the brink. Will there be World War Three? That's ridiculous based on what we know. You see, they pretend like they know this is happening because why? The government told them it is. Is that what journalists are supposed to do? Blindly report what the government said and trust what the government said? That's what you're looking at right there. Whilst others used unnamed intelligence sources, which is what they always do, which is probably some member of the CIA, somebody who made a butted up connection with somebody like, uh, God, I always forget his name. What's the guy's, you know, trusted sources? It's just the one that I always want to make fun of, and I can never, never remember his name. You know, Mr. Brian Stelter, the, you know, that guy, he's just a struggling guy. But the point is, someone like that, they probably make feel like he's Mr. Number One and he's the insider. And you know, you know, because you're such a great journalist, Brian, you, we want to give you the inside. He's being manipulated. Whether that he knows that, doesn't care, or is too dumb to see it. The point is, that's the intelligence sources, if they even exist at all. Now, I'm being broad. I mean, obviously, I promise you there's probably some level of sort insider source material. that this re- The bottom line is, what we're looking at in this case is that. That's what this looks like. Same with WMDs, same with everything about Syria. They get leaked this information. And remember, we've already talked about this in the past. This is on the record with somebody. I forget what that what the reference was. I'll try to remember that and put it in the show notes. But where somebody was speaking on the record about this as a CIA for, member saying, you know, we give them three, you know, two real, one fake. You know, we give them the two real so they think that there's, they, they're on the inside. And then, of course, we give them the one that it was all about. This is not secret, guys. So this is why this stuff keeps happening. And it says they did that to conjure up headlines claiming Russian invasion of Ukraine set for 3 a.m. tomorrow. Yeah, that one already passed, though, right? Because they totally hit the mark. But they just jumped to the next one and said, now it's going to be at the Olympics or now apparently it's tomorrow at 1 a.m. Over and over and over. And the media just blindly keeps going with it because apparently they don't care that they keep predicting times that keep not panning out. With missiles and tank attacks, apparently. And this is all the more ostensibly reputable news outlets, ostensibly meaning not really, like the New York Times, BBC, and Guardian have led their readers to believe that Putin is a madman ready to invade Ukraine any moment. Now, does that sound familiar? It should, because it is the same tired argument and label they put on anybody that's framed like this. Whether it's Assad, whether it happens to be Evo Morales for a momentary situation, or whether it's Murduro tomorrow, or whether it's Kim Jong-un, they get framed as the maniac that just has no sense of anything and will just hit the button because he feels like it. Now, that's always ridiculous. Now, some of these people are pretty crazy, pretty, you know, not crazy in the sense of what I would argue like they're saying, but like, you know, that they would be willing to take pretty severe action for pretty petty reasons. You know, sort of like I would argue a Trump would or plenty of other people that we've seen president both left and right for a, you know, they made me, they insulted me kind of a reason. But the point being is that's not the reality. Look at someone like Assad and look at the, re- look at the way that they continue to act like, yeah, he'll just gas people because he feels like it, even though it literally counters every strategic move he's made this entire time. It doesn't make sense. And by the way, those have been proven to not be the case over and over and over. The United States government has stated that the invasion can occur at any time. Like 11 million times since the beginning of three months ago. Any time, though. What is interesting is that far before any talk of Russia-Ukraine tensions had surfaced, Washington Post published a piece on the 3rd of December. You might not have known that. Claiming that the U.S. intelligence sources believe Russia would invade Ukraine with 175,000 troops. Now, that's not even the first example. But that's the first example we can find of somebody post citing U.S. intelligence. So let me ask you this. If U.S. had intelligence on the 3rd of December that was about to happen, just about to happen, why did it not blow up like this until now? What was the intelligence on the 3rd? Did it change? Did it shift? Well, well, no, because 
they're out. We'll show you in a minute. I mean, we'll show you. These are from the 3rd, December 3rd. U.S. intelligence warns. Interesting, right? A whole month went by before they started hyping it up again. I guess they were wrong about that intelligence. Maybe that's why they didn't want you to see it. But it says, despite all the fear-mongering of a sudden Russian offensive, all talk from Russia had indicated it wishes to solve the ongoing tensions through dialogue. Now, of course, you could argue he's just saying that and lying. But when it matches what's actually happening, eh, you kind of have to be an intelligent person to be like, yeah, that's look, maybe he's planning something. And he's saying that because he's about to do something tomorrow. But right in this moment, he hasn't done what they keep saying he's doing. And they keep claiming he's going to do it tomorrow. And it keeps not happening. I mean, even the ridiculous part of it is, even if he was going to do it, they come out and go, he's going to do it tomorrow at 1 a.m. He's going to be, okay, well, I'm going to change my time then. <laughs> I'm going to do it next week or do it at 5 a.m. Like, it's just so stupid to believe they can get such an exact framing of time and that he's not going to see that and that won't change something. And they'd probably even argue that's why it changed because we told him the time and he saw it and he changed it. This is exactly what they frame independent media doing about these false flags in the past. It's just, it's almost like they're trying to become the exact same situation. But Putin is saying that's not what he wants. Vladimir Putin, Russian president, states that his country does not seek a war and that they would only engage in a war in self-defense. But, of course, that could mean whatever they want it to mean from either side. Now, Russia does not actively engage in the Bethlehem Doctrine like U.S., U.K., and the United States, which means that they can argue you may do something, and that gives them the right to attack you first and claim it as self-defense. They call it preemptive self-defense, which is literally the dumbest thing that's ever been uttered, but they do it all the time. Israel does it more than anybody. But it goes on to say, much to the dismay of Western journalists who wanted to frame this as being, you know, like the Cold War, which is what this keeps building toward. What is interesting is that anyone who would dare indicate that the White Helmets, for instance, in Syria, had some role in attempting to stage chemical weapons attacks. Whether you believe that happened or not, it's still a, it's, if the argument can be made about Putin doing this, why would it be this asinine, utterly out of the realm of the possibility kind of argument to frame it about anybody in Syria, especially the White Helmets? specifically the attacks used to justify Western military aggression. They'd be laughed out of the room, as we know, because it's only real when the U.S. government says it. Interestingly, Russia has frequently predicted the tactic of staging attacks to justify U.S. military aggression itself in the past. And don't forget, many times, I mean, many times, Russia said this, and it's happened. Now, of course, and this is one of the many, this is from June 14, 2018, Russia warns credible information of impending stage chemical attack, and then one happened exactly like that. Now, you could argue that, of course, that was Russia that did it because they, they tried to frame it as the U.S. about to do it, and they did it, which makes no sense because there's no reason to do it unless they're just a maniac. But then remember that the whole story clearly got flushed out, and they weren't involved. And it was, in fact, the people that were there framing somebody else, and all the evidence went out the window, and we've talked about this whole thing on the bed and the whole discussion, guys. How many times does that need to happen before we put credence in the reality? Like we understand that the U.S. government has done this a lot. Whether or not you think it's happening now or happened then, including the White Helmets. Look up Vanessa Bealey's work and how they've been very clearly fingered by people in Syria, Syrian individual civilians, people in many, many times. The evidence has presented to The Hague about their false flags, about their human trafficking, drug trafficking, child trafficking. Yeah, but nobody cares about that in the West because the White Helmets are what they use. Now, it says when, of course, they justify the military aggression by using these things, as Robert is pointing out, and are acting like they're conspiracy theorists when it's something we're pointing out like this. But it says when Washington alleges something very similar without any indication of what they are saying could actually be true, should we believe them based on the past? The United States itself has a long history of false flags. James, Cor James Corbett has done excellent work in this regard. 
Gulf of Tonkin is something they should understand is very, very clearly, undeniably something that was either allowed to happen or they were involved with. And they took multiple actions to keep it from being reported, allowing Americans to die. There are people that were on that ship alive today, Americans that will tell you that verbatim. But nope, fake news. Consider, for example, the Taliban's alleged role in 9-11. We should all know this is ridiculous today which justified their illegal and continued occupation of Afghanistan. Yeah, that's still going, guys, despite narrative. The stories about Iraq soldiers throwing Kuwaiti babies out of incubators. Remember that whole story? That was the that was a daughter of an ambassador for the United States. It was lies. You can look it up on Wikipedia for crying out loud. She cried in front of Congress, claimed they were throwing babies on the floor. That was the impetus for the entire push. They lied about that. And that was intentionally and very clearly planned out by the U.S. government. That's not a secret. The fact that people would hear me say that and go, you're a conspiracy there. You can look at on, not that Wikipedia means it's real, but if it's on Wikipedia for crying out loud and you're still waiting to dismiss it, it's crazy. The weapons of mass destruction. We all know that one, or we should. WNDs, the, the, the toppling of Saddam Hussein, who moments ago was the chief ally of the United States, just like the moments before Osama bin Laden was the biggest villain of the world. He was also an ally of the United States. The Washington Post called him a warrior of peace. It's a headline you can look up yourself. It's weird how all the biggest villains of the world were moments ago U.S. allies. Isn't that funny? All of these things were lies. Gaddafi, right? The the impending, uh, what was it? The the genocide that was about to happen. Lies, and you could look this stuff up today. The reality being that Libya, before the overthrow by the U.S. government and its allies, it had the highest quality of life in all of Africa free education, free school. This is reality. Now, at least afterward, long afterward, they were selling open slaves in Libya. And now it's just a, you know, warlords fighting, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, I'm blanking on his name right in the moment. Yeah, you guys, I've covered it a lot. The different factions between the UN, the US, and it's ridiculous. And it's just those. Now, what about the civilians? Oh yeah, they're struggling through it all right now for de- for a decade. But thanks for, this, thanks for the liberation, US government, based on this person that was overthrown how are we supposed to believe the United States when they claim Russia is about to invade Ukraine and conduct a false flag? When the Western media lies to the public about Russiagate for four years straight and argue that Syria had committed chemical weapons attacks that justified U.S. airstrikes. And now the current occupation of a third of the country, burning their wheat fields, stealing their oil. Yeah, it's all about freedom, right? The United States, its Western allies in Israel have been making false predictions about when Iran would have a nuclear weapon for 30 years. This is a ridiculous joke, by the way, and I'll include this one as well. This is one of the articles Robert wrote that makes this painfully, embarrassingly obvious. Israel's laughable history of predicting the Iran atomic bomb. It's not like they just keep thwarting it, guys. It was what they might try to sell to you. It's just fake news. What's also largely ignored by the so-called leftists who adhere to the current culture war tactics of cancel culture is the... Oh, my light falls in the background. That's great. Is the discriminatory framing of the discussion on foreign adversaries to the United States. Right? It's interesting. Now, I'm not in any way looking at this as a as a two-party talking point here, guys. Because this is manipulative. But the reality here is that these are the people in within that manipulative situation who are framing all of this stuff as, you know, they're anti-racist, as, as Robert frames it. Constant talk of the Russians the Iranians, the Chinese, is in and of itself a slippery slope to full-blown racist stereotyping of entire nationalities, ethnicities, and cultures. We all see this. When it's the bad guys, you can just frame the entire place as being a bad, like they do with everywhere they're talking about. 
Now, why is it acceptable, as he points out, to talk now of the Chinese, the Arabs, Iranians, Russians, and Muslims in such a derogatory way? Because these are the enemies of the Western Empire. These are the competitors or the people our governments are dropping bombs on, and so they must be dehumanized and stereotyped. Caitlin Johnstone has made this abundantly clear. Great article, Robert, always knocking it out of the park. Now, this is just a, a piece of this, right? The reality is pretty ridiculous. Now, we're going to first point at something from November 20th, 2021. It's quite a ways back, isn't it? Russia preparing to attack Ukraine by late January. Ukraine Defense Intelligence Agency chief. Okay, so remember, we're going to get to the point where, where the president comes out and goes, yeah, nothing's happening, right? Right in the middle of it all, <laughs> which kind of changed really strange, which shows you there's more going on here. But so November 20th, that's way before we were hearing this in the mainstream media in the U.S. government, right? At least the way they're doing it now. Impending, right? Well, Russia preparing an attack. So apparently this stems all the way back to Ukraine itself and their own internal people, despite there being a different disagreement on whether this is actually happening. Okay, well, that's kind of interesting. And that seems to put a little bit of a doubt, you know, a damper on U.S. intelligence if they're just taking what they're being told by somebody else's intelligence, right? Well, here's what it says. Russia has more than 92,000 troops amassed around Ukraine's border. Okay, so in Russia, right, inside Russia, that's what we're talking about. It's Ukraine's border, but that's Russia. So Russia moving troops inside of its own borders. Now, whether or not you think that that is based on, like, whether that's a threat, constantly from this point and long before, the U.S. government and all of its allies are doing it right up until this, moving troops around, amassing up along Russia. It's absurd to look at all of the bases and troops and everything that's been building around Russia this entire time. And act like when they move troops to their own border in response, or even just because they want to, that that is justification for everyone to lose their minds and for them to continue to do more action. Problem, reaction, solution, self-fulfilling prophecy. It's ridiculous. Within their own border. This would be the equivalent of Mexico taking action against the United States or rather building up against them because the U.S. government was putting troops on their own border or on their own side of the country or you know, I mean, I make the same example of like Cuba and Florida or in the United States. Cuba's an ally of Russia. Russia could rightly, with every right, go in Cuba and put all sorts of troops there. But of course, the U.S. government would lose its mind. It would call foul. It would say that's your that's a act of war, an act of war. You know all of this. It's it's obvious. Do you really think that Biden, Trump, or Obama or anybody would not freak out if Russia started putting lots of troops, three thousand, ten, one inside of Cuba? So why is Ukraine different? The U.S. government has all sorts of stuff going on in Ukraine and all sorts of countries right up around Russia. Why? Because Russia bad guy? Is that all we really need? Are we that childish? Such an attack. Oh, and the point is, this is coming from Ukraine's Defense Intelligence Agency, which is probably controlled by the United States government. Such an attack would likely involve airstrikes, they say, artillery and armor attacks. And I don't know why they're just, you know, this is just a random thought. They're just throwing this out. Why? Because they have those things all lined up? No, because they have them. So we'll just say that's what's probably going to happen. Followed by airborne assaults on the east. Amphibious assaults on Odessa. Specific locations. Smaller incursions through neighborhood, neighboring Belarus. The, why, the fact that they can argue such specifics is because that's what they want you thinking. Not because there's any genuine evidence that this is exact. Like, this would suggest they've got some kind of a document that says this is how Russia planned it out. This is what the Ukraine Brigadier General Budanov told Military Times back in November 20th. Speaking to the Washington Post on Friday, back then, Ukraine's new defense minister, Olesky Reznikov, said it was unclear whether Russian president has decided to attack. 
Okay, so now all it really is, if you haven't even, re- if, if there's no indication that there's an attack in the pl- in the mix, despite the title literally saying preparing to attack, yet they go, we don't even know if that's the case. All you're really reporting on is people moving inside of Russia. This begins to sound as stupid as Iranian boats moving in their own harbor, which is what Bolton used to create that entire thing with the Lippet mines and everything else. It turned out to be moving their own boats inside of their own harbors. And whatever came of that? Oh, right. The world ended, right? Because Iran, Iran used these to attack everybody. No, nothing. Even though they tried like hell to make Iran lash out with all the actions they did. It just gets obvious if you pay attention. Any such attack, they say, however, would first follow a series of psychological operations. Of course it would, right? You have evidence for that? Well, no, because we know Russia does things like that. So therefore, fact. Psychological operations, of course, currently underway, designed to destabilize Ukraine and undermine its ability to fight says Ukraine intelligence agency speaking through an interpreter. Cool. So apparently the psychological crisis whole thing all stems back to the Ukrainian intelligence agency telling that to people like this. I'd love to see the evidence, wouldn't you? But apparently Ned says the evidence is just saying it out loud. Good stuff. These Those efforts include ongoing anti-COVID-19 vaccination protests. We'll look at that. That But the, but the Ukraine intelligence agency said have been organized by Russia which is also trying to stoke unrest related to the economy and energy supplies. Now they're trying to undermine that it's possible. Likely even. Why not? I, I, it's just the point that we're actually giving, make, acting like this is credible because somebody who has a vested interest in seeing you, the Russia destroyed by everybody else would stand up and throw in COVID-19, that they're doing vaccines, they're, they're staging pro. How about these are just people that don't want the vaccine? Nope, gotta be Russia just like our government actually tried to do. But it was ridiculous, just like it always is. But there were at least two people that tried to suggest that Russia was causing vaccine protests in the United States. We talked about it then. Like, this is how I could literally sit down and probably write down almost everything I think they would do, and they'd probably end up doing that. That's how bad they are, it seems. That they do the same damn thing. Play one, two, and three, it seems. Russian psychological operations are being used to show our authorities betrayed the people. Okay. Okay. So Russia's using psychological operations to show the people that you betrayed them. How about the fact that you did that and you don't need psychological operations to prove that? This is like claiming that Russia uses real information to ruin the election. How dare they prove us, you know, give us data that shows our government lied to us. What a terrible manipulation. (laughs) That's Russiagate for you. If that even really went down that way, that's what they're doing. No, they're using our psychological operations to show that we didn't do the thing. They said, that's what they did, guys. They sold out their people and their people do not, by and large, support what they're doing. Just like the the situation around Crimea, it's verifiable that they had a referendum and they overwhelmingly voted to go to Russia. Now you could argue, oh, it was manipulated, which is what they try to say, but there's so much evidence around this. It is ridiculous. And it's obvious that the people right now you can talk to are predominantly Russian anyway. It's crazy. But of course, all they got to say is that's conspiracy theory. And that guy's a fake news guy. And everyone goes, I knew it. (laughs) That's evidence to them. You see, that's all they need. Statements. Our evaluations are almost the same as our American colleagues. Well, what a shock. So maybe the U.S. put this in to give to the military times, or maybe they said it and they took it from them. But the point is, it's the same thing. The Russian embassy did not respond to a request for comment, interestingly enough. Their Pentagon on Saturday declined to comment. It seems like everybody's declined to comment about the timing and the nature of potential attacks, instead pointing to comments made Wednesday <clears throat> excuse me, by Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, which is where we go next. 
Okay, so they said, no comment, but listen to what he just said. Okay, well, let's listen to what he just said. This is October 19th. It's pretty far along. It's a well, long time ago, isn't it? Implement the U.S.-Ukraine strategic defense framework. The strategic defense framework created a foundation for enhancing our defense and security cooperation. And we remain committed to strengthening our strategic partnership. Which is, you know, talking about Ukraine and, and how their, their strategic partnership is pretty much their control of the country, which is what they frame the, U- the Iraq situation as. Despite the fact that when Iraq stood up and voted and said, we don't want you here, they said, we don't care, we're staying anyway, but we respect your sovereignty. It's like they're doing here. That's all they scream. We want their sovereignty as we control what they do and tell them what to do. If you don't do it, we're not going to be with you. Let me underscore, or we'll take action, really. Let me underscore what President Biden said during President Zelensky's recent visit to Washington. U.S. support for Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity is unwavering unless they do what we don't like. Right. I mean, that, that's, you'll see that's the under. The way that they always do this is kind of obvious. So we call on Russia to end its occupation of Crimea, you see. So the point is, before we pushed into this weird, you know, irrational fear mongering about how Russia's about to do everything, both the Atlantic Council and the U.S. government and Ukraine had this weird sudden refocus back on Crimea. It's occupation, right? This is, this is just blatant misrepresentation. To stop perpetuate, perpetuating the war in eastern Ukraine. What are they talking about? To end its destabilizing activities in the Black Sea along Ukraine's borders, to halt its persistent cyber attacks and other malign activities against the United States. None of this has been proven. Literally none of the things they're saying. Now, could they do it? Of course they could. Would they? Absolutely. Prove it. That's all we need is evidence to suggest any of this actually happened and happened the way that they said it did. Now, destabilizing activities in the Black Sea, in their minds, could literally just be presence. Ukraine's borders could be the fact that they're in Russia. Yeah. To halt its persistent cyber attacks, the U.S. government has been bleeding about Russian attacks that most of which have been shown to be blatant lies. That's not to say that they haven't done it. Maybe they did it and they're too good at it and the U.S. government couldn't catch them, so they just faked one and said they did it. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't even matter at this point. The reality is that they're saying things that they're not proving. A government that has lied every which way. And since I'm an American, I'm more invested in where this goes per, for my life. So I care more in this moment about what they're saying and their lies. Doesn't mean I don't have just as much concern about the, what Russia's government does and what they would do to their people. Because in this show, we fight for people, not just one government. Not one country. Now it says, I want to commend Ukraine's brave men and women in uniform who continue to stand up to defend our shared values and our core democratic principles. Well, that's interesting. You want to see some of these people? Let's come back to this. Okay, so he just said, we stand behind the Ukrainian brave men and women. Well, you're going to find quickly that it's all men because they won't put, women won't be involved because they won't let them. But we're also talking about shared values. Now, in that first comment, I'm talking specifically about the group we're going to point out here, but the shared values and core democratic principles. Okay. First, here's a video from January 8, 2021. Very recently, right? Like a little more than a year ago. Time magazine. Inside a white supremacist militia in Ukraine. So first, basically what we're going to show you real quick here is that there not only are just couple of weird side fringe white supremacist militias. And even if that was alone enough, that would be enough. The idea that they're supporting any group that's openly white supremacist is utterly absurd with anything they're doing today, with everything they're doing today. But it's not just one group. In fact, it's a core group that's connected right to their national security. And it's crazy. But first, just to see this reporting from Time Magazine. 
it seems like an odd way to spend a Saturday watching the blood sports at a festival for far right extremists. And by the way, they're going to frame, and I'm not going to suggest otherwise, but just because of the way that these people, not in this group specifically, but the, the militia we're going to point to represent themselves, but just know that any, anything they want to represent is far right. I mean, I don't even know if that has the same meaning in other places. Like it's just, it's all politics, right? That all these people, because they are of a certain mindset are automatically alt-right white supremacists. And that's not always the case, especially with how they frame people inside the United States, but just making that point. This was the summer of 2019 and I've gone to Ukraine to learn more about these groups. From the crowds, one thing seemed pretty clear about them. They weren't bothered by the fact that this event was organized by the Azov movement. The Azov movement. That was my point in showing you this. A far-right group that has increasingly been linked to violence around the world. A far-right group that has been increasingly linked to violence around the world. <clears throat> the shooter is linked to a 74-page manifesto filled with white supremacist rhetoric. Now note... FBI agents say he expressed a desire to travel to Ukraine to fight with a far-right paramilitary group. Aha. So you see where this is going? It took half a sentence before it started to tie back to the United States. It started to tie back to what they're framing as the biggest next threat to you. Right? So this is already tying back to a shooter that the situation that happened in the United States and that he wanted to go to the Ukraine. Okay. So if that's even the case, which it is, and we'll go through this, that this is a situation in the Ukraine where people are going there. At least that's what we're, the narrative is, but that these guys, these guys are there and that they believe this is the reality. Why is the U S government openly supporting this group? How does that even remotely make sense? At the very least, it shows you that they're hypocritical and nothing means anything. And it's just about achieving their ends by using things like this. One second, guys. <laughs> You're going to laugh. I wish you could see what just happened. I don't know what is going on here today. It seems like my entire room is falling apart. Hold on one second. And maybe I'll just play this while I do that. Hold this still. According to the FBI, domestic terrorists killed 39 people in fiscal year 2019, making it the most deadly year for domestic terrorism since the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing. The threat of white nationalism has evolved since Oklahoma City, where a domestic terrorist used a truck bomb to kill at least 168 people. Okay, so sorry, my, my mic stand just like fell off the table. <laughs> it's getting ridiculous. Anyway, so the point here, guys, is just to see the connection. Right? See the crossover between the way that they're framing what's going on in Ukraine in 2001, or excuse me, 2021. And these very clear people, the very clear white supremacist entity that is being openly supported by your government, yet at the same time, they're breathlessly fear-mongering reporting about oh, our country and how they're falling prey to this and these people are attacking us and the lone wolf fighters and all this. And it's weird how they're framing what's happening in Ukraine as like a breeding ground for that, yet supporting them. Like, I think we need to recognize there's something far more nefarious and sinister happening with what they're doing in Ukraine, as they're right now creating a situation where they're taking their side, like they're manufacturing this. It's something strange. Now, it gets much worse than that. You can watch the rest of this video. Time Magazine, it's only eight minutes. They're basically just showing you the things like this, the bombs and the situations, lone wolves. You can see right there in the, in the, in the subtitles and tying it back to the Azov group and the white supremacist militia in Ukraine and how they're acting like this is some kind of a rising movement around the world, right? Even as they're the ones keeping this happening. 
Here is September 30th, 2019. White supremacists lead new wave of foreign fighters. Now, this is in Ukraine. Now, this is, as the, the, this is written in 2019. This picture was taken in 2015. It says, in ways that are increasingly getting the attention of Western intelligence officials, these fighters, tough, or though, are not jihadists hoping to join one of the provinces touted by the Islamic State terror groups, virtual caliphate, nor are they aligning themselves with any number of groups affiliated with IS, rival al-Qaeda. They are, in fact, white right-wing extremists and white supremacists. And they are traveling to Ukraine in numbers, reminiscent of the movement of fighters to Syria in the earliest days of the conflict. This is Voice of America framing this into that. Realize right now they probably wouldn't be saying this because that's not what they want people to think about. But this is exactly the situation. Like whether they're actually people are just going, I'm going to go to Ukraine or whether people actually did that with Syria. It's the reality is they're the ones funneling these people there. They're creating a hotbed of this to be used at some point, just like they did with Syria. At least that's the way I'm seeing this build. And it's really alarming to me. Now, it says a very significant number of white extremists, said Jason Blazakis, a senior researcher at the Sufan Center and a professor of the Middlebury Institute of International Studies. He said 800 fighters from Belarus and hundreds more coming from Germany, from Georgia, this is the country, Serbia, and dozens of other countries across Europe. So think about this. Right now, they're supporting this group. Yet they're, and, and by the way, Belarus being one of the ones they're completely going, oh, Russia's trying to go at Belarus, right? But understand that this whole time, whether or not there is action happening, and I'm not denying that Russia could be doing something. Like, it's very possible. I just don't see evidence of it recognize that Belarus is one of the places they're pointing at, and Russia continues to point, especially at Ukraine, and say, there's terrible things happening here. By the way, there are. Now, that does not give them the right to just do whatever they want, understand, just like it wouldn't give U.S. the right if they just pointed a problem and just do what they want. There are processes to this, processes to this. But the point is that they're claiming, look, they're doing horrible things. So you, you have to understand that there are plenty of reasons to point at that, and that then, and not, but yet not doing stuff, not really doing what they say they're doing. So it's an interesting dynamic, but you can see 800 fighters from one of the places they're claiming Russia is pointing at and apparently doing things in that went to Ukraine to fight with the white supremacist army. Hundreds more coming from Germany, Georgia, Serbia, and dozens of other countries across Europe. And you tell me the U.S. government doesn't know this? These are all places the U.S. government is stationed. Do you not see a pattern here? It says, quote, that's in some ways not too different from what you saw with ISIS. Says Blazakis, yeah, you don't say. It's almost like they're doing the same thing over with a different angle. Vanilla ISIS, right? The weird that that came from out of nowhere, huh? One of the most prominent destinations, and don't, obviously don't forget what, it, what Whitney and I discussed and the vanilla ISIS crossover. And we can, I mean, we're, they're already pointing to COVID protests and saying that's been put on by Russia. There's an obvious overlap here between making the vanilla ISIS concept tie back to their biosecurity state. It's not difficult to wrap your mind around. One of the most prominent destinations of these fighters is the Azov Battalion that we just looked at in that Time Magazine video, a pro-Ukrainian force that analysts say has embraced neo-Nazi views, 100% verifiable, while targeting what right-wing or white supremacist groups around the world for recruitment. Yeah, let's pretend, like, let's, there's no way that the government of the United States and elsewhere are not aware of this, especially since their own propaganda sites are pointing it out. They have been facilitating this, just like they did with Syria's situation. That's because they didn't care about those people either, only as a means to an end. 
just like the Saddam Husseins and Osama bin Ladens were working with them right up until they became the enemy. That's how this works, guys. Look at the, look at the Kurds, for crying out loud. They've been back and forth like 11 times. They just keep getting used. But they drop them, they use them, they're the bad guys and the good guys. It's, it's whatever is advantageous for them. Here's one of the most important ones. This one is actually, just jump forward real quick. Most of this is in chronological order. But this goes to, to January 5th, 2022. Now, it says a year after 1-6. It's so dumb how they're trying to make... I didn't even connect that when I first read this. They're trying to make it like 9-11, which is just so dumb. They're talking about January 6th. That uh, It's so embarrassing how they really keep trying to do that. But again, guys, don't miss the crossover. This is this when we get into the trucker convoy discussion. That's what this is meant to be. That's why I'm really concerned about where this is going. They're framing it as alt right. They're framing it as January sixth, an insurrection in Canada, and it's the same thing. And they're trying to make this overlap right happen right now. After one year after one six, Ukraine's war draws U.S. far right to fight Russia, train for violence at home. Even Newsweek is pointing this out. It's very obvious. So why are they supporting a white supremacist government and military while pointing at what they claim is white supremacy, but totally isn't everywhere else? It's weird. It says, we interviewed members of a white supremacy group called the Ottoman Waffen Division, now known as the National Socialist Order, who has sent members to train in Ukraine. Where a neo-Nazi, where neo-Nazi militias have recruited white supremacists from around the world to join their fight against Russia and advance racist ideology. Okay, understand this is not just the Azov Battalion. This is a different group, and there's multiple groups that are tied to the, directly to the Ukrainian government that are openly white supremacist and openly doing so and recruiting people to, as they just put it, fight Russia. Which is interesting that they align on on the U.S. government's side of that, isn't it? Right? I mean, isn't that the whole point that? Where we go from that right here, that he's talking about their core values, shared core values and democratic principles. Yeah, it's not what they're talking about. I don't want to forget to come back to this. Well, this is the point. These are the shared values. Fighting against Russia, which clearly the U.S. is all about, and advancing racist ideology. Well, as much as they don't like to say that, that's what's actually happening. You know, as they pretend they're fighting for freedom and, and equality, they, of course, target and attack all the Christians around the world that are, are like, for instance, in Syria. And it wasn't just that, but remember, the, the ideas are pretending they're out there fighting a war on terror and fighting the, the bad guy Muslims, right? It's the way they want to frame it for the people in the two-party paradigm. Except what actually happened was targeting all the Christians in these places, and that's what happened. Look at Syria was one of the had like one of the largest Christian populations in all of in all of the Middle East. And, and the same thing with Iraq. I mean, for crying out loud, Saddam's bath party was was had a large portion of Christians in his own internal party. And yep, that doesn't exist now. What did they, they become after these places they overthrow? They become exactly what they pretend they're fighting because that's what they're creating. We have to see this by now. And so if this is what Robert points out all the time. Such ideology has real-world effects at home where right-wing violence has killed more people since 9-11 than attacks motivated by Islamist fundamentalism. That's not true. And you see the reality is that this is how they're trying to frame this, even in the article pointing out what they're not really wanting you to talk about. Now, when I say it's not true, the idea that we can just bland, broadly say that right-wing, what is right-wing violence? It's what they claim it is. Whatever they just want to, they're trying to make any kind of thing that they want to happen on one side of the paradigm in one idea, because this is how they're trying to link it to everything else. Whether or not those people were actually doing that or actually had these ideas or were, were put on by somebody else. Maybe the FBI. 
right? If you just balked at that, then you don't understand history because they've been caught doing this over and over and over. Even the New York Times wrote an entire article about the FBI tends to create its own problems to stop them. And you may think that makes sense, except when they don't always stop them, right? Oops, <laughs> that one went through and we just hide from it. More people than not, since 9-11 than attacks motivated by Islamic fundamentalists. You know why? And fundamentalism, because this is a fanti, phantom boogeyman that they have created. Now, this doesn't mean there's not fake real people. Even Saudi Arabia admitted they lost control of what they were what they were basically using. This is something that has been used, created, like I keep saying I think is happening right now in Ukraine. That's just my opinion, based on all the things we're seeing. Quote, these efforts to attract misguided young men, propagate racist conspiracy theories, and incite violence are inseparable from the so-called lone wolf attacks we see often here in the United States. Now, yes, this is this is their uh, total narrative, right? So it's interesting that what they're pointing at is the government of the U of Ukraine, the military, that's using this concept to pull people in to create that. Isn't not that what the U.S. government is like the biggest focus on right now? My point again, they're openly supporting this group and all they seem to be doing. How does that make sense? Maybe because they are creating this and we're getting an inside look at what they're using to funnel this problem or create this problem. Maybe they set the narrative because they were building this. Something we have to be asking right now, isn't it? Now, here is one of these pictures we've shown you. I mean, this is it's it's not hidden, guys. It says down here, investigative journalist uh, Oleksii Kuzmenko is among the leading figures bringing this lurking reality to light. He specializes in research on Ukraine's internationally active far right, as well as its access to the Western military training that is provided to the Ukrainian armed forces. Yeah, like right now, the U.S. government that is helping these people. Not a secret. Quote, the proliferation of white nationalist ideology in the Ukrainian military and security forces of Ukraine is an understudied topic, right? So what you're going to find if you try to dig into this in the in the corporate media field, and I don't mean like this, I mean like Fox News, CNN, CBS, that kind of thing, you're going to find this one group, the Azov regime or the Azov, the Azov, uh, Azov, Azov militia. And they're going to try to couch them as one little small group in the corner that's not really linked and that we're not con we're concerned about that we're watching, but that's not the Ukrainian government. It's totally different. It's not true. It's easily shown to be not true. That's that's why this guy, cited by Newsweek, is one of the leading figures that's that's researching this topic. And what he's telling you is this ideology is in the military and their entire security forces. This is what they believe. Quote: Since the 2014 Maiden Revolution, the government. The military and its security forces have institutionalized in its ranks former militias and volunteer battalions linked to neo-Nazi ideology. It's so easy to see. You can look at the way that they're the way that they salute, the way that their badges on their shirts say they don't hide it. Without screening for extremist ties or views, their integration has not led to depolitization and or dis dissolution once incorporated within the larger body of the government, military, and security forces, meaning it grew. Or at the very least, it stayed the same. And we can see that it grew. And here's where it ties in that group. He cites as a prominent example, the Azov Special Operations Detachment, also known as the Azov Battalion or Azov Regiment. It was established by the Ukrainian Ministry of the Interior after the conflict broke out in 2014. Let me say that again. It was established by the Ukrainian Minister of the Interior after conflict broke out in 2014 and was later transferred to the National Guard. 
Oops. Right. So when you hear the media pretend that's not true, realize this is Newsweek. Not that that makes it true, but this is the mainstream covering this probably before they knew they weren't supposed to. You can look this stuff up. It's not hard to see. This is not some little fringe group that they're kind of considering whether to frame as a terrorist group, which is sort of also happening. Regardless of any of the narrative, they are openly supporting this group. And it's not just the Azov Special Detachment. It's the military. It's the government. And the U.S. government is well aware of that. In fact, my belief is they chose them for that purpose. Kuzmenko calls the regiment, the Azov Regiment, a, quote, highly capable and heavily armed unit, reportedly numbering 1,100 or more fighters. That is also the military wing of the internationally active Azov movement. And there it is. That's what I'm talking about. That might as well just, if, if what I'm thinking is, is coming to fruition, that is going to be your next ISIS element or however they frame this. Internationally active Azov movement that then just becomes, you know, the vanilla ISIS group, the works or whatever, working with other people and foreign entities or rather working with your U.S. government or U.S. entity of white alt-right supremacists that's overtaking the country that they're all freaking out about that's not really happening. We'll find out, oh, well, they were influenced by this group and therefore, the, you know, whatever. I don't, I, I, I could theorize all day and maybe guess right, but I'll leave it at that. I think it's pretty obvious, an international movement that they're well aware of, that they've known as white supremacists, they've allowed to happen, yet fighting it all around the world, right? The movement has gone international on multiple fronts, says Newsweek, with known contacts in Germany's neo-Nazi third path party, America's rise above movement. Oops, <laughs> I just can't. This is so dumb to me how obvious this is. Why? I'm surprised nobody else has been talking about this. I mean, sure, they have, and I haven't seen it. In the United States, the Rise Above movement is directly tied to the Azov movement, which the U.S. government has allowed to exist since 2014 and, in fact, grown. But, but they're all in a big fight to stop all this, right? Italy's Casa, Casa Pound, etc. Plenty of them all around the world, but also with less scrutinized international contacts via other branches of the movement. Right. There's plenty more that draw less attention but may carry equally dangerous implications. Neither the Azov Regiment nor the National Corps responded to Newsweek's request for comment. Shocker. The Ukrainian Foreign Ministry and the Ukrainian Defense Ministry also didn't respond. As Kumenko points out, Washington, the U.S. government, has long recognized the danger posed by the Azov Regiment. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. Despite the fact they're about to tell you that we're aware they're bad guys and we want to make them terrorists, we've yet nonetheless continued to work with them all since then and continue to do that So right now, right? So this is the kind of idea of saying... We're going to put you in a cage and make sure you have nothing to eat but bugs, but we respect your freedom and we'll make sure that it's freedom matters. It's like, okay, that means nothing, right? So we're going to remove your freedom, but we're going to make sure freedom exists. Cool. So here we are saying, Azov Regiment, and we're going to make sure that we're going to look into them. They look like they're bad guys, but we're training and arming and working with and allowing them to exist and growing throughout the... And the entire Ukrainian government is now over... To, yeah, but we're looking at them real hard, though. It says, for example, language introduced in the 2018 or in 2018, right, all the way back then, to the government spending bill and maintain sense, banned using U.S. funds for the provision of arms, training, or other resistance to the unit, except that's a very easy thing to circumvent, which they have many times by getting funding from other places, of course, you know, because that's how they do it. We're not going to fund them, but we're going to funnel it through someone else and we're going to get it at the White Helmets anyway, or whatever else they did anywhere else. In 2019, 40 lawmakers signed a letter asking for the Azov Regiment to be declared a foreign terrorist organization. Sort of like the uh, MEK, 
It was a, an, a registered terrorist organization right up until Hillary Clinton removed them from that. And now they're like the key partner with the U.S. government to overthrow Iran. Funny how that works, right? Kind of the same situation in reverse where they're oh, we want them to be terrorists. And they're just like, Shh, quiet, quiet. We need them. <laughs> Shut up about that. Now, here we are in 2022, and they are literally the leading partner right now with what they're working with, not just the Azov regime, but the Ukrainian government military, which is what we're talking about. Think about how ridiculous that is. The Azov reg regiment's active far-right recruiting efforts were also brought to the attention of the Biden administration in a letter sent by Democratic Representative Elisa Slotkin this, uh, to Secretary of State Anthony Blinken in April. So all the way back in April, a somebody in the government said, look, these guys are terrorists. These guys are white supremacists. And they said, shut up, and didn't do anything about it. Not that they should do anything about it, but the point being that they didn't care and they're still doing everything they're doing now. So this is a very clear example of, without any other points, that the Biden administration was made explicitly aware that they are white supremacists. They did not care. At the very least, they carried on as if nothing happened. The State Department sent a brief reply to Newsweek's request for comment on whether the presence of these white supremacists or allied with Ukraine's armed forces, or rather they said presence of far-right elements or in or allied with Ukraine's armed forces which means it's not just this one group. Obviously, there's the whole point. That's what they're making there, the whole entity. Or the travel of U.S. citizens to Ukraine to associate with such a group was a concern for the Biden administration. And here's the response, exactly what you might expect. The United States is committed to Ukraine's sovereignty, independence, and territorial integrity in the face of unprovoked Russian aggression. Exactly what you'd expect, right? A nonsensical, unrelated clan. We are committed to fighting Russia bad guy, sovereignty, and independence and stuff. Right. Okay, well, we didn't even ask about that, but thank you. So the point is that you are ignoring the fact they're white supremacists. Thank you. That's, that's all we needed. You don't care. Clear. Both the FBI and Department of Justice declined to comment. Isn't that interesting? We're fighting a war on white supremacy. Oh, we don't care about those guys, though. Oh, Americans are going over there to fight with them. Shh, quiet about it. We don't care. We want to wait until they come back so we can use it against them. Right? I'm just being kind of facetious. The point is that's utterly absurd. You don't comment because there's obviously something weird going on here. Quote, as far as the international arena goes, it is puzzling that the U.S. government is alarmed by the far-right Azov movement. I don't think that they are. They're well aware of what's going on since 2014 because of its attraction for the far, for, and this is, where my, this is how they're framing this, because of the attraction for the U.S. far-right. Ban the U.S. funds from being used to provide training and arms to it, even though they keep funneling everything to them anyway, right? The point is, they give it to the Ukrainian government, which then gives it to the Azov group. It's not that hard to understand. Yet at the same time, is totally fine with the regiment carrying on as part of the Ukrainian government that receives billions of dollars in U.S. assistance. Make sure you don't miss that part. Okay, they're going, oh, we're going to stop funding to them because they're bad guys. And they're going to give money to the Ukraine government, which then carries on funding that exact same group. Do you think they don't know that? It's sort of like when Trump said, we're going to stop funding the WHO and then just gave a bunch of money to Gavi, which then gave most of that money to WHO. It's like, and in fact, that ended up being exponentially more that the U.S. government was giving to the WHO through that weird funnel. But all the Trump supporters said, yay, he's on our side. He just gave them exponentially more money if you paid attention. But, quote, U.S. influence in Ukraine is very clear and Washington has, has been able to press the country on reforms it deems necessary. U.S. influence in Ukraine is very clear, he added. Washington has been able to press the country on reforms it deems necessary, but apparently doesn't care to do this one, though, right? Apparently, he says, 
de-radicalizing the Ukrainian military and security forces of the far-right elements they pretend to fight everywhere else is simply not on Washington's wish list. Because that makes sense, right? The same applies to other Western governments supporting Ukraine. Yeah, all of them. Every other one of them that's on their side are openly supporting white supremacy right now. Doesn't that seem dumb? It should, because it doesn't make any sense. Now, there's a lot more in this article, by the way, but do not take too much time on this. I want to get through some of the rest of this, just quickly show you some of these pictures we see. And you can, by the way, zoom, you can see some of these tattoos and different things that are very clearly exactly what you think they are, right? This is not a secret. Some of these are a little smaller, but you can see them, so the salutes and the different things they're doing. <clears throat> it's, it's never been a secret. Now, on top of that, Take a look at this picture for all those people that are super upset about the whole, like my opinion with, with especially with, you know, second amendment and, and children with guns. The reality being is that, that these things are only dangerous to, I mean, to a certain younger age, it wouldn't matter because they don't even understand what's going on. But some, like a, a younger child, these things are only dangerous if they don't understand how to respect them and use them. Of course, that's going to upset so many people that think they're, the gun is the problem and not the people who are too stupid to understand them. But the reality is, regardless of your thoughts, is it's your constitutional right. And if you dismiss that, then you don't understand anything about freedom or what this country represents. But the point is, this is Ukraine right here. And guess what you're looking at? You're looking at the Azov Regiment training other people in Ukraine how to defend and fight Russia right now. Do you think the U.S. government's not aware of this? This is Euro News. Ukraine far-right group offers training to civilians. Members of Ukraine's far-right movement of the Azov held military training for Maripol residents on Sunday to teach them self-defense in case of an attack from Russia. <laughs> Seriously. Ukraine's far-right Azov battalion, part of the special forces unit at Ukraine's National Guard. Right. Okay, yet again, an example of how the reality slips through, but the U.S. government and their media will try to pretend like this is some fringe little group that they're deciding whether or not to trust. Special forces unit in their National Guard, trained residents to assemble and disassemble a gun, to load ammunition and aim at targets at Russia, amassed over 100,000 troops at the border. Yeah, which means it's inside their own country, inside of Russia. 79-year-old residents, children, Russia denies its intent to invade, but has massed well over 100,000 troops in its own country. Silly. But okay, so this is the point. So it's okay. It's okay. Let them arm children and teach them how to shoot and train them how to be white supremacists. But we're good with that as long as it's over there and we can use it later for our own agenda. But it's the biggest threat in the world pointing at things that aren't like that here in this country. Here is Azov, Ukraine's most prominent ultra-nationalist group, sets its sights on U.S., Europe. Right, this is Radio Free Europe. So apparently the Azov movement is literally going, we're going to get people from the U.S. and your government doesn't mind. Totally good. There's something brewing here. I know you can see it. This is November 14th, 2018. I don't think I had anything here. I just the idea of what they're promoting there. Now, going all the way back to seven years ago, this is 2014. This is my point about this is the Guardian. Your government's known this from day one. In fact, they use these people. They utilize this in the first in the first place. Azov fighters are Ukraine's greatest weapon and maybe its greatest threat. And all this is is kind of a balancing act of going, well, they were very incremental or instrumental, and yet they're bad guys and they do bad things. You mean every time everything else the U.S. government's done? Like using the, the very people they pretend they're fighting in Syria or using the very people they pretend they're fighting in Venezuela? It, it's ridiculous. Dmitry, which he said is, it's not his real name, is a native of East Ukraine and a member of the Azov Battalion, the Guardian writes. Dmitry claimed not to be a Nazi, but waxed lyrical about Adolf Hitler as a military leader and believes the Holocaust never happened. Now, to be very clear, there's a conversation to be had about that that's 
not allowed in the mainstream conversation about how things can be misrepresented histor historically that are used for political reasons. But that's not the conversation we're having about this point. The point to make here is that this is what they would frame as absolutely unacceptable in the mainstream media and how the West, the government of the U.S. frames the white supremacist conversation. However, here is a leader of the Azov Battalion saying the same thing and they don't care. Just make sure you understand that to see how wildly hypocritical these people are. Now, I'll come back to this point. This is the next point about the the talking points in the U.S. and the media, but I want to finish this first. Here is back to Lloyd's talking points. Uh, Lloyd Austin, defense, uh, Secretary of Defense. So the main point that I wanted you to take away from that is how they're very clearly sharing values and their, their core values with this group that we just went through and explained for you. And that's not just that one regiment. It is their military, their National Guard, their government. And he's happy to be like, we share our core values with them. How does that make sense to anybody? Unless that's really what they mean, or they're just saying that to get you to think they're not like that. Since 2014, he says the United States has committed more than $2.5 billion to those white supremacists. He's just saying that right there in front of you. Whether or not it went to them or not, it ended up going to them and everybody else like that because the Ukrainian forces gave it to the rest of the... It's just like in Iraq, right? Where the PMU, the group they pretend they're sort of fighting right now, is funded and armed by the Iraqi government, which is funded and armed by the U.S. government. It's almost like that's another situation where they're just creating their own problem to be able to justify what they're doing. I kind of don't believe that with the PMU. But the, regardless, they're being armed by the U.S. government if you really take a minute and think about it. And it's really ridiculous. But it says they funded them with $2.5 billion so that they can preserve their country's territorial integrity and secure its borders and territorial waters. Yeah, I know you did that so you can continue to fund what you're building there and justify what you're building now. Today, the minister and I also discussed ways, this is Lloyd speaking, to promote deeper regional cooperation among our Black Sea allies and partners to deter Russia's destabilizing actions. Right. So here's what we get into. Remember the timing of this. This is October 19th, 2021. What's funny about him saying this right here, oh, I just lost my spot. How did I do that? Where was I? Oh, right here. Okay. Of course, the one's not highlighted, Ryan. So the point is, what he's talking about, promoting deeper regional cooperation, is basically, that's the U.S. government saying, we're going to put troops and work, work with these countries surrounding Russia. And that's okay, because we're good guys fighting for freedom, right? So Russia's perspective, regardless of whether that's the truth, which it clearly is not, they're going, well, they're putting troops all around our country. So logically speaking, it makes every bit of sense to put troops out just to be safe. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it, even if you don't think that's what's happening, you have to realize that's a logical reality as they build up all around their country. It's like the same point. If there were Russian troops in Mexico and Cuba and Canada, they would be doing the same thing. It's a no brainer. But he's saying among our Black Sea allies and partners to deter Russia's destabilizing actions. What exactly are these destabilizing actions? Right. Of course, we hear a lot of narrative. Cyber attacks and this and funding and here and claims and water territorial. Yeah, that there's a bunch of narrative that's not, it's if not completely misrepresenting it, literally not happening. Now, again, I'm not suggesting Russia wouldn't do this or wouldn't take advantage of this kind of situation, but I don't see it. And the reality being that if you look at everything the US government's doing, they are toppling and overthrowing and destabilizing countries like it's breakfast. It doesn't even matter. Oh, is it Thursday? It's time to overthrow that country, right? It's everywhere. Do we really need to list them off? 
I mean, it's just that ridiculous. Iraq and Afghanistan and Syria and Bolivia and Venezuela and on. I mean, you could just keep going. It's everywhere in South America. There's been, it's, it's ridiculous. But you don't see that with these other countries. And that's not to suggest Russia or China aren't doing their own ways of manipulating and bad things around the world. But we can very clearly see the U.S. government destroying places and just yelling the word freedom. It's not hard to see. Whether or not you think they meant to do good, just look at what Afghanistan is like today. Just look at what Iraq is like today. Just look at what many places of Syria are like today. Just look at what Bolivia has become today. Just look at what Venezuela is like today. Just look at any one of these places, Libya and on and on, exponentially worse than when they said they were liberating them. And many of them have supposedly been, quote, liberated. Not like Syria, where he fought back and he actually preserved a lot of the country, even though they're starving to death. Or how about Yemen, for example? You know, they're creating the destabilization. That's what they're doing. I mean, it doesn't matter you call it fighting for your, you know, whatever you want to call it. I guess trying to put your, your own person back in fighting for freedom. By, by sanctioning these countries and actively starving them, you are literally destabilizing them. It's happening in Iran too. Now, now point out the equivalent of what Russia is doing around the world. I'll wait. Right, nothing. You won't be able to because it's not happening, at least not like that. But yeah, now they're going to push into these Black Sea allies because of what they say Russia is doing. And then when they go, geez, you have troops right along our border and they put troops out, they go, oh, troops, look at what the Russians are destabilizing actions and they're crazy and just like that. In the support of these efforts in the United States will continue to provide assistance to enhance the maritime capacities of not only Ukraine, but Georgia, Romania, Bulgaria. Right. So that means not only troops in their countries, but it means sea, you know, controlling the waters as well. Just envision this happening around the United States. Now, it says, we have long understood the importance of cooperation and unity among allies and partners to deter Russian aggression. Deter Russian aggression, right. What exactly? Please show it to me. Oh, you mean when, when Russia fights back the illegal actions of, of anybody else in Syria? Oh, what a bad guy. It's just so funny to me. And again, in no way to suggest they're not capable of doing the same things. I just always have to say that, it seems, because of how ridiculous people are to try to frame this in some kind of two-party lie. But it says, we have long understood the importance of cooperation and unity among allies and partners to deter Russian aggression. At the June 2021 NATO summit, the United States and its allies reaffirmed their support for Ukraine's right to decide its own future. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous to me. Their future foreign policy course free from outside interference, except the U.S. government, of course, including with respect to Ukraine's aspirations to join NATO. Oh, you mean what? that's what, what the U.S. government wants, even though the other parts of NATO are like, no, clearly that's what they're pushing for and have been for a long time. And just so you know, that's exactly why they're framing this as a NATO thing today. There's a big push for that. It says, to that end, we encourage the government of Ukraine to remain committed. And here's my point that I was saying before. So all of this is like, we respect your sovereignty and we want your freedom and we'll fight for you to make your own choices. But, and here's the subtle threat, we encourage the government of Ukraine, <clears throat> excuse me, to remain committed to the deep and comprehensive reforms needed to advance its Euro-Atlantic aspirations. We don't care about the white supremacy. Keep doing that. But we want you to advance the Euro-Atlantic aspirations. That means continuing to enhance civilian control of the military, align, which exactly they're okay with that, align defense industry institutions with global best practices. Like anybody that knows like, you know, Silicon Valley best practices, they should run screaming from that phrase and introduce human resource management reforms. So basically, that's the U.S. government subtly saying, you damn well better do all the things we want you to do, or otherwise we won't support you anymore. That's how that works. 
But point out for me where they're going no longer be the white supremacist alt-right group that we pretend we're fighting. They don't care about that. In fact, I would argue enhanced civilian control of the military is in fact saying bolster that problem. But it says United States remains committed to helping Ukraine implement these reforms through robust advisory effort. Right. They remain committed to this stuff. The moment that's no longer good for them, you are no longer their partner. That's how the that's how the US government operates itself. You know, deals and agreements and treaties don't matter. The next day, 30 seconds later, ah, what, that was another president. We don't care about that. Everybody knows this. That's why nobody res- respects the deals and agreements they make anymore because they will drop it like a bad habit the moment it's no longer useful for them. Just look at what's happening with the whole NATO discussion, the whole Gorbachev era discussion. They have broken that left and right and they don't care. Now, the last one was right here. Oh, these two points before we go on to the final stretch of the Ukraine discussion and then finish with the trucker parallel, which is really interesting to me. Associated Press reports today, U.S. intelligence officials allege a conservative financial website, which you may know, with a significant U.S. readership is amplifying Kremlin propaganda. And what is that? And this isn't the first time they've you know, levied this at Zero Hedge. Officials say Zero Hedge, with 1.2 million Twitter followers, published articles created by Moscow-controlled media. <clears throat> okay, so first let's point out the obvious absurdity here. Are you pretending for any moment here, AP, that you don't publish gov- U.S. government-controlled cocking points or just blindly regurgitate what they'll tell you to post? It's, it's absurd. We know that happens because it's actually in law now. Things like the smith munt Modernization Act, where it's actually they actually wrote into law that they have the right to manipulate media for national security. Right? And this they, that's so hypocritical. But on top of that, to argue that they would be doing that is sort of, why don't you prove that, right? Because there is no proof that Zero Hedge is just, is knowingly doing so. Rather that what the articles, are, or even more so that those medias are, those media outlets are controlled by Moscow. These are just simply outlets that are saying things that are favorable to the, gen, the Russian government. And they frame them as Moscow-controlled media. They've said that about us in certain moments. Like the, the funny part about TLAV or any other group like us, we go from being Russian shills to being Syrian shills to being Venezuelan shills to being whatever talking point of the moment because we don't agree with the government not talking point. Right? That's all it means. The moment you start talking about, look, oh, look, they're lying. Oh, that they actually, they actually fought, they create, faked that. Oh, they actually killed civilians. Oh, that actually was put on by their rebels. The Molotov cocktails were thrown by them and it wasn't Maduro's guys. Oh, you're a Venezuelan shill. Oops, we turned out to be right over and over and over and over, right? But it doesn't matter. You're still a Assad toady, to quote Barry Weiss in her fake news that she pretends she's on your side today, who didn't even know what the word meant when she used it against Tulsi Gabbard. <laughs> That's how they frame you. An apologist. You're an Assad apologist. You're a Russian apologist because you don't toe their line. That's feeble and weak and naive. But here we are. Zero Hedge is a Russian-controlled outlet. The point here, guys, is they're trying to frame what they think is conservative as part of this problem. Now, when you're towing the Russian line, but here's the interesting part to me. How do you then connect this to what we're looking at in regard to Ukraine? That's why I I don't really think that it's going to be a Ukraine-focused thing, but rather where this is a breeding ground kind of thing, like Libya over to Syria. But nonetheless, they're creating a situation where you're framing them as being, you know, foreign, essentially. And that's really the main point. Now, what Caitlin Johnstone says is what I agree with completely. It's not about zero hedge. It's not about Russian propaganda. It's not about COVID misinformation, election security, foreign trolls, or QAnon. It's about ruling power structures needing to normalize and expand the regulation of online speech to protect consent 
for the status quo. As much as there's plenty of things I'm sure Caitlin and I don't agree on, she is all, I, I greatly respect her insight. She sees through this stuff. It says exactly, few people understand just how important it is for the powerful to control the narrative about what's going on in the world. It's the primary thing standing between the status quo and revolutionary change. They do anything, anything to keep it. And that's in, in reply to, because as you've rightly noted multiple times, nothing is more important than controlling the narrative. I agree with that. Now, to show you the breakdown of how absurd this is and how they've been screaming it's going to happen tomorrow, like every day for two months, Let's start with December 23rd. And before you lose your mind, you mainstream watchers out there, the Moscow Times has actually countered Russia. Independent news from Russia. In my opinion, this is pretty much a, you know, outside entity, probably funded by the U.S. government for all I know. Russia to stage large-scale attack drills near Ukraine as tensions ratchet. Now, this is even towed by the U.S. government and everybody else. This is one of the earlier discussions. But it gets, it go, this is not the earliest one. We're going to go back in a second. But just December 23rd. Long before this was being pushed out as the main thing that was happening, they're already going, look, 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 they're staging things. Well, what's that called? It's a drill. Drill. Attack drills. Okay. So this was used to hype up all sorts of things. This was one of the beginning points of where they were arguing, Russia's bringing people to the border, which again is inside their own country. Okay. But why is that an issue? Right? Who else does drills all the time? Well, so right now they're going, look at this, and, and the U.S. government did the same thing. They're doing drills, and that's a danger. They're building, and this is going to happen tomorrow, December 23rd. Okay, well, how about we go back to September 20th? Ukraine holds military drills with the U.S. forces. <laughs> Oops. Right, so it's a big deal when everybody loses their mind, when Russia does drills inside of its own country, which, by the way, these governments do all the time. And that shouldn't be dismissed because these drills are usually kind of an impetus or planning for something. But here they are doing a drill in their own country and all of the media in the West and clearly the independent media in Moscow lost their minds and said, look at what they're building for. Even though the U.S. government had literally just had drills in September in Ukraine and other NATO allies with U.S. forces. Can we not see how ridiculous that is and how hypocritical that is? So it's okay for U.S. to be on the other side of the world, right up against the border with Russia and have drills. And, and this is what they do. They go, we're not doing it to you. We're just we're doing drills. This is not even, that's nothing to do with you, Russia. Quit, quit acting like it's all about you, right? Like, we're just doing this because we already planned this years ago. That's not true. And even if they do plan it years ago, it's always about creating the context and, and pushing them to take action. And that's, and, or regardless, regardless, they did it anyway. And yet when Russia does it, it, everyone loses their minds. That's ridiculous. Now, on August 5th, a little bit forward, here's my point. Here's the Atlantic Council. By the way, the ones that are fact-checking for Facebook and everybody else and, you know, are rather controlling them, what they're doing. Time to remind Russia that Crimea is Ukraine, which it's not, right? This is a ridiculous um, misrepresentation of the reality, which is what they've always done. And it's easy to look up if you actually care to do your due diligence. And it's not just from some, you know, Russian point or whatever else. The world understands this if you break out of the Western propaganda world. But here's the beginning in my point, So, to my mind, is we're going back to August 5th. This is before this. before the uh, rather December discussion of the, of the drills, right? They were pushing this back out. They needed, the, this is a problem for them, or, or rather a point of contention for them, sort of like with uh, Taiwan and China. So here we see this being pushed out August 5th, quite a ways away before they were all about to invade, right? So it's interesting that we're, they were upset and pushing this 
which doesn't seem to, and why would Russia, the point being is that it seems that they had issues they were trying to push in before this ever started to be a thing. So you should ask yourself whether the narrative spun up because of what they wanted, not because something was actually happening. Here is November 1st. U.S. eyes Russian military movement near Ukraine. Okay, so are we talking about drills? Are we talking about Russia moving its own troops within its own country? Either one, it's just, it's the same situation, but they're just yelling about it again. That's what I need you to understand. There's nothing happening here. At least nothing more than what we already understand, whether they're moving their own troops in their own country or carrying out drills, like just like the U.S. government literally did less than a month before they freaked out about that. And they're going, whoa, they're moving in their own country. But all they say is near Ukraine because they want you to think there's a problem happening. This is propaganda. Jumping forward to November 12th, U.S. huddles with allies over possible Russian invasion of Ukraine. Okay, so you see very quickly, this went from they're moving troops to possible invasion. Okay, where did that come from? Is there any indication that there's an invasion plan? Did you get leaked documents that suggest they were going to do it? Did you realize there's some kind of geostrategic point that makes sense for why they would do it right now? No. It, it simply went from they're moving to they're about to invade. Like that. On a dime. And the point is it came from, as we pointed out, Ukrainian intelligence and U.S. government intelligence. That's it. That's it. It's really that simple. Now, it doesn't mean it's not happening. It sure as hell could be. But the reality being is that the government that's lied to you about damn near everything and never proved it is doing it right now again. And you should be demanding evidence of anything that they utter, not just taking them word at face value. Okay, so going forward from the 12th, here's November 23rd from CNN. U.S. considering sending extra weaponry to Ukraine, you know, so sending more, more weapons to the white supremacist entities that we pretend we're not fighting or that we pretend we're fighting over here and we're not fighting over there as fears mount over potential Russian invasion. Okay, so this whole the whole month of November, they were already hyping up a potential invasion based on literally nothing. And still yet, we haven't been hyping it in the media like we are right now, or they aren't. As it says here, the Biden administration is weighing sending military advisors and new equipment, including weaponry, to Ukraine as Russia builds up its forces near the border. Now, here's my point. They have yet to even prove that they're, quote, building up their border at this point. Now, now up to today... They've had a thousand reasons to do so because the U.S. keeps sending people and people around these areas keep putting up their troops like in Ukraine. So obviously Russia is going to do it in response. It's, it's a no brainer. Now, even if they had again for the thousandth time, it's within its own country. And I don't even understand why that's not the most obvious point to everybody. But it says, near the border and U.S. officials prepare allies for the possibility of another Russian invasion. Oh, you mean like the Ukraine Crimea? Fake news. There's not another Russian invasion. It's a, they're lying to you. The invasion and the overthrow regime change took place when the U.S. government manipulated Ukraine and took control of it. Very simple. Easily verifiable, in fact. Now, back to Atlantic Council swinging back around on November 23rd, 29th, right? So, so again, back here, they're the ones stoking the fire. Oh, time to Russia, time to get back in their face and tell them the way that's not theirs. Okay, jump forward to November 29th. NATO thwarted Russian invasion in 1980. Could its playbook work today? Right, so what evidence do we have? It's simply narrative from the beginning to now. Now, here is the Washington Post article that, that Robert pointed out, which again, this is not even remotely the beginning. We just went through back, we went all the way back to August. The point is in December 3rd, still long before it's being talked about like we see on the media now, 
The Washington Post is saying they have U.S. intelligence warning them that Ukraine, that Russia's planning a massive military offensive. So you see where this went? This went from hype from nothing to the U.S. intelligence poking their media apparatus and saying, we have intelligence. They're going to do something. And that's exactly what Ned was doing. And that's all it is. Well, we said it, therefore evidence. Look at that. December 3rd, going forward to December 4th. Next, the very next day, U.S. warns of possible Russian invasion, Ukraine with 175,000 troops as soon as January. Oops, <laughs> right? Well, they say it as soon as January, so that's probably why they framed it like that. But there's a million of these where they've, they've given you a time frame and they didn't pan out, which there's another one set for 1 a.m. tomorrow morning, apparently. We'll see if Russia takes the bait. But this is the point. They're just height. They're they're seeding this in their mill in their media apparatus, and they're just towing the line. Do you really believe that CBS or Washington Post is able to verify this? Their verification is that an intelligence asset said so. That's not journalism. That's propaganda. Here's New York Times, December fourth as well. See how it just quickly went out to all these places. U.S. intelligence sees Russian plan for possible Ukraine invasion. Right. U.S. intelligence says. That's it. Great journalism, guys. U- Russian invasion of Ukraine, quote, could begin during the Olympics. <laughs> Pass that one already, right? We just keep just keep kicking it down the road. Maybe tomorrow. It could be the next day. We don't even know. Yeah, exactly. Russian says you Ukraine says Russian invasion is not imminent. Ooh, that's weird. You saw this happen. We talked about it. This was January 25th, 2022. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, Ukraine comes out and goes, that's it's not happening. Now I don't know why that happened or whether they had a little bit of mixed crossed wires or something, but that was a little bit embarrassing for them, wasn't it? It didn't stop the narrative. They still just brushed right over it, but he came out and said, that's not really happening. Situation under control, right in the midst of their panic. Here's another, Ukraine says Russian invasion, not imminent, urges citizens to remain calm. Kind of funny, isn't it? Here's Tulsi Gabbard, which by the way, I have, I am absolutely completely doubting her in every possible way these days because of everything that happened. Not because I don't think that she may mean what she's saying, but anybody that's willing to say all these things and then kind of drop right back in and support one of the candidates is not going to have my support. Sort of like when Bernie Sanders spent the entire election calling Hillary Clinton a criminal and then said, she's the right person for the job when he didn't win. That's ridiculous. That's why I don't believe in any of these people because they're all playing a game that's rigged and they either know that or don't care. So no, but nonetheless, like I always tell you, it doesn't matter who's ultimately saying it. If it's a valid point, it's still a valid point. Here's what she had to say. The neocons warmongers have spent years stoking the new cold war with Russia and have now brought us to the brink of in Ukraine, which I don't agree with. I don't, I literally don't even remotely think we're on the brink of anything. Well, I could be wrong, but I just, it's all narrative. Doesn't mean narrative can't build to something, which I was saying in the beginning. I just don't think that's what's happening. I mean, well, let me finish this. She says, this serves their own interests and lines the pocket of the military industrial complex with trillions. Let's not be sheep. Well, yeah, I'd agree with that, except I would point out that you were a little bit sheepish when you decided to fall in line last election, but you know, let it go. My point. I knew I'd lose it. It brought us to the brink with Ukraine. Dang it. There was a point I was going to make there. Anyway. God, I hate when that happens. I have such a hard time letting it go. We'll move forward so I don't waste 20 seconds thinking about it, but this is obviously where we are this is a this is a stoked problem problem reaction solution kind of situation where it it's exactly what they ultimately want to create in my opinion absolutely bringing you to the brink of war which i don't think is happening 
in order to create what they want to drive in what I believe is building towards the idea we laid out in the beginning. And it's alarming. But going back into the current situation, like building up into now, which this was uh, the 12th, she points this out. Here is four days ago. Blinken tells Ukraine of robust U.S. support against increasingly acute Russian threat. Right. This is literally as he's going like, eh, it's not really, it's not, nothing's really happening. Not, not exactly the same time frame, but it's a strange thing to see them push out because they want that. To, they, they just rolled right over that statement and said, oh, it's all going to happen and we support you, even though you just said it's not happening. Three days ago, Biden speaks with Putin in last ditch effort to fend off Ukraine invasion. Like this is just blatant narrative. Fend off what invasion? Like I haven't seen any indication we actually have something happening other than U.S. government and allies moving their people around Russia. It's amazing that that constitutes a U.S. invasion. The U.S. State Department has ordered all non-emergency U.S. employees at its embassy to depart due to continued reports due to continued reports of a Russian military buildup in their own country. And we know that I guess Israel moved their people out, and it's just yeah, you know, it's just, it's utterly ridiculous. Finally. Here is today, Russia, Ukraine, Biden warns of a bloody destructive war if, if Russia invades Ukraine. If they do the thing that we've been screaming about, but haven't seen for two months, if they do that, I mean, it's literally become almost every day where they stand up and go, it's an impending thing. And if they do it, here's what we're going to do. It's just bluster. It's absolute bluster. And it sh they should be embarrassed at this point that they keep doing it over and over and over for months, a month, a day after day, a week after week. It's tomorrow, three days from now, next week. It's going to happen. It's immediate. It's impending. It's after the Olympics. It's tomorrow. And yet we just keep buying it, or they do, if they invade Ukraine based on their narrative, a bloody destructive war. I mean, what ridiculous language to even use? That's like Trump style, Right, like it's like a it's like a an op a threat that blatant is almost not threatening. You know what I mean? Like it seems weak. Now here's Putin saying, "Quote: There are mass violations of human rights being legitimized in Ukraine." <laughs> well, regardless of whether you think he's just saying that to justify what he wants to ultimately do, which might be an invasion, if you want to think that, or he's just telling you the truth. Or maybe he's going to invade and it's still the truth, which that's I mean, the reality is this is the truth. And we already showed you that we're talking about a group that even the mainstream media is going. These are pretty bad people. These are some disgusting people. These are people doing terrible things. Here's Time Magazine going. These guys are part of why we're seeing this stuff in the United States. And there's a big building problem. I don't know why the U.S. government doesn't care. Right, that was two years. Well, this was 2021. This one was 2018 or 19. You know, we're talking two years ago. Isn't that interesting? And we know those people are doing bad things because even the mainstream is pointing at it and saying, look at all the disgusting things they've been a part of. Look at what they're doing. So when Putin stands up and says they're doing the things that your media told us they did and they are, doesn't that then change the situation? Why is the U.S. government going, well, we're openly going to support that against you because they don't care about these things. Your government does not care about human rights violations or about freedom or about equality. Those are means to an end. And if you don't see that by now, you're just not looking. Or they actually care and they're the most clumsy, malfeasant, broken government on the planet and just can't seem to tie their own shoes. And if that's the case, then why would you let them continue? You pick. I think we need to realize that they're not that incompetent, but they are pretty incompetent. But the point here is that they are knowingly overlooking all the things they pretend they care about. And, and, and he's right, which doesn't mean that he wouldn't take advantage. Like my thought when I saw this was like, okay, well, 
Maybe that, that's a, that, that's the kind of argument you float when you want to take some action, right? Or maybe just to frame the fact that they're the ones covering it up, and that's a politically savvy move. Here, today, Biden says Russian invasion of Ukraine, quote, remains distinctly possible. <laughs> But there's room for diplomacy. <laughs> I just can't even laugh. I can't help but laugh at this stuff. So now it's 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 gone from eminent for two months straight, going from weeks to days to right now to tomorrow to tomorrow morning to today. Biden says possible, certainly possible. It could, it may happen. Who knows? You know, we could see, we pigs could fly tomorrow. Who knows? Certainly possible. But there's still room for diplomacy. So it's almost like they're winding down their own ridiculous narrative that didn't happen. The point is the Biden. Putin's been over here the whole time going, let's work this out, at least saying that. And he has said that, whether you believe it or not. But isn't this ridiculous? This is, 2000, this is the 15th. And the point is that they've come to where they're saying, apparently they're freaking out about, oh my God, it's, this is the sun reporting this today, early. The US intelligence claims Russia is set to invade Ukraine at 1 a.m. tomorrow, like literally giving you an exact time. With massive missile blitz and 200,000 troops. So now it's gone from 100,000 to 200,000. And of course, as Sarah Abdallah points out, yeah, the same US intelligence that told us Iraq had weapons of mass destruction. Yep, exactly. And all they're showing you is these hyped up videos of Russian tanks that have no bearing on what, you know, it, it's just, this is propaganda. Now, again, I, that does not mean something won't happen tomorrow at 1 a.m. But I'll tell you what, based on what I've been seeing and what I know of this government and what I know about how Russia seems to conduct itself in the face of this prop of actions of the US government, I would not believe it would be happening tomorrow. I would believe if something did happen, that this was a false flag conducted by the U.S. government. I wouldn't believe that. I would think that, and I would try to prove that and look into both sides of it. But I would also keep an open mind about whether Russia, for instance, might take advantage of this if they really did want to invade Ukraine, right? I would investigate that as well, because that's a valid point. Right now, they've created such a perfect context for Russia, in fact, to be like, screw it. Do I really want to invade Ukraine? I could just take advantage of this. And people would argue that it wasn't real because it didn't say, because it wasn't real until they made it real. Like, just these are the way you have to think like this. You have to consider things like that. But like I said, with everything we know, it seems pretty obvious this has been built on nothing. And if something does happen tomorrow, it's going to be, in my opinion, to create the context for what we're talking about, the bigger discussion here. Now, back to this point about the troops, which is pretty ridiculous because they're pretending that Russia is doing all this stuff, even though it's in its own country. But remember, as we played in the clip, beginning clip, maybe you didn't see it. I'll play it again right now. The, the ones that are actively doing so are the U.S. government around Russia right now. So we've been very clear about this. Um, there is only one country who is currently building up uh, their forces at the Ukraine border, and that's Russia. So we've been very clear about this. Um, there is only one country who is currently building up uh, their forces at the Ukraine border, and that's Russia. Uh, you're looking there at Russian troops and Russia. Well, 3,000 more American troops are now being sent to Europe. Oops, nope, not beginning. <laughs> What's funny, you have, it's amazing. So she says, I've been very clear about that. I always like to say that when they're like, you should be listening. They, they speak to you like your children, right? I said this very clearly. You weren't paying attention that we are like, like, again, like it should matter that you said it. So why, I can't believe you didn't take that the first time I stated it. That's the, that's the evidence. Don't you know? But the, they're the only ones building up troops. How can you even remotely argue that when you're literally putting troops around Russia? 
right? All they're going to try to say is that, well, we only said Ukraine. We're building them over here in Belarus and everywhere, Germany. And well, of course, it does, but it's, it's so dishonest as they literally do this over long before this started, but in the face of it during this, putting troops over there. It, it just should, it's insulting, insult to our intelligence. U.S. to send troops to Europe if Russia invades Ukraine. Like the fact that they're openly saying that, but then we'll pretend they're not doing that while they do it is ridiculous. Pentagon puts 8,500 troops on heightened alert as U.S. weighs military action against Russia. Biden says U.S. troops in Ukraine are off the table, but promises withering sanctions if Russia invades. Okay, but they're off the table in December 8th, but we already started doing this. Maybe not the Ukraine, but let's be real. I promise you there are troops, there are uh, some level of U.S. presence in Ukraine. It's always, and they, all they do, the easy way to sidestep U.S. troops is to use, uh, uh, I'm blanking on the term all of a sudden, like a Blackwater scenario, like a, uh, shoot, I'm frustrating, I'm blanking on the term, you know, using not, uh, you know, paying different troops to do it for you that aren't U.S. troops. Somebody give me the word in the chat for crying out loud, it's driving me crazy. Like, you know, hiring like a Blackwater group or people that are not actually associated with the U.S. government or using other extremists and using them in the same way like that. They, but nonetheless, they are people there that are at the behest of the U.S. government. So it's the same difference. I'm waiting for someone to say it. But if Russia invades, but it's okay. So Russia didn't invade, right? Clearly. And yet they've already put troop private contractors. Thank you. That's exactly what I was looking for. Private contractors. But they did invade, but yet they put troops out. Isn't that funny? So they just said that and they kept hyping. It didn't happen, but they just put troops anyway. U.S. Deplo- to deploy Eastern, uh, to Eastern Europe amid Ukraine crisis. And that's 3,000 troops. We saw it in the beginning. 3,000 troops, which probably is more than, way more than that. Then Denmark plans to allow U.S. troops on its soil. Right, so who's actually doing all this, right? And by the way, these are not just the only places. These are places where they're doing more. There are already U.S. presence in, in places all the way encircling Trump, Russia, everywhere that it possibly can. And who, is ex- who exactly is doing this? Who exactly is the one building and amassing and causing a problem? Right? We got what we have a group continually moving and building troops all around. And then we've got a group and then we've got and that group spinning a lot of narrative. And the other group moving troops inside of its own country. That's the gist of it. Now, Sarah Abdallah points out. When you bomb and destabilize so many countries, it's, you know, rather difficult to keep track of which one it is, right? There's no way we were ever going to unite Ukraine. I mean, excuse me, Iraq, Afghanistan. No way that was going to happen. And there was no way we were ever going to unite Ukraine. I mean, excuse me, Iraq, Afghanistan. Oh, God, that's so embarrassing. Like, it doesn't matter. And look, my point to that is not even like a senile point. It's exactly the point she's making. Oh, yeah, you know, when you literally destroyed many that many countries, you know, it gets, gets kind of hard to, to, to get them straight, you know? It's just that disgusting to realize that the, these people have been responsible for some of the worst things, if not the worst things, on, on the planet. Watching them destroy these countries and destroy hundreds of thousands and millions of people's lives right this moment, starving people to death all around the world for freedom, though, for freedom, right? Of course, we were never going to get Afghan to come together. Oh, cool. 20 plus years later, and you're still doing it, but you, and you knew it wouldn't work. Great admission. Sure glad you knew it wouldn't work, but we did it anyway. Oh, and this is just, just to make a joke. This is kind of funny. The last two points are kind of funny. So here is caught on video, overwhelming evidence that Russia is preparing to invade Ukraine.
<laughs> Breaking news. We have real evidence the U.S. government just released that proves that Russia is on the warpath. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just such a, it's just funny because this, this, in my opinion, would be the level of evidence that we've gotten used to from the U.S. government, right? I mean, this, this is just a joke, but this is like Star Wars for those on the podcast. It shows a bunch of stormtroopers, and it's actually a really cool looking video that looks real, you know, like in the background, like showing you big Star Wars stuff around Russian buildings. And it's just kind of funny, but this is, we don't even have something like this. All we have is just narrative spun by liars. And as Eva Bartlett points out, uh, Russia just declared that anyone donating money to the opposition movement will have their money seized under the anti-terrorism legislation. Pretty important news. Oh, excuse me. No, that's Canada. <laughs> My mistake. Funny, right? Exactly our point before I roll over into the discussion of Canada. is showing you how ridiculous their hip hypocrisy is. If that did happen, they would be freaking out about how disgusting Russia is. Oh my God, how dare they do this to people? But then Canada doesn't. It's for freedom because there's a terrorist. Right, the same white supremacists you pretend you're fighting even though you're supporting them in Ukraine? Exactly. Last two points in regard to the hypocrisy. Notice how Western journalists constantly tweet about a non-existent war in Ukraine but are absolutely silent about the genocide in Yemen. I don't know why there's a question mark there, but this is the reality. This is what's happening in Yemen, guys. This is what's always been happening. The starvation of children and everybody else. That's been going on for far too long. They, they don't care. They actually continue to make it worse. And Pompeo and Trump were exactly the same way. Absolutely shouting you down because you didn't align with the fact that they're openly starving people to death for freedom. Is what they said, anyway. Ask yourself why these same journalists aren't freaking out about what's been going on in Yemen for a decade or more. It's still going on right this moment. That Saudi Arabia keeps bombing and attacking and destroying right now. But yeah, who cares though, right? Because Ukraine, narrative, yelling about things happening we can't prove. Everybody point at that. Who cares about Yemen though? Who cares about Venezuela starving because Iran's starving? Who cares about anywhere else your U.S. government is destroying things for freedom? Breaking news, as on the 11th, U.S., U.K. armed Saudi Arabia and the UAE are bombing Yemen's capital of Sana'a again terrorizing you many civilians at one o'clock in the morning. The world is silent. Now, one last point before we finish off with the truckers. Here's another distraction, by the way, that I'm utterly ridiculously baffled. I can't believe people are jumping into this personally. Trump really was spied on, says the Washington Post. You know, the ones that are always on the cutting edge of the truth for you. Right. Durham comes out with his big report that Clinton did spy, right? I mean, it's, it, it's, would be a big deal if we didn't realize that literally all of them do it all the time, everywhere. And the fact that this is coming out right now in a period of time when literally anything's being used to distract you from the fact that they're destroying your lives and, and waging a war against humanity and you personally. How about the fact that if there was ever going to be a time when Clinton was actually going to be held accountable, first of all, it would never be under Biden's administration. And two, and, 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 and second of all, if she was ever going to be held accountable, there's been like 11 different times where they've proven, and I don't mean that they had evidence, I mean there's been proof that they committed a crime. How about just those the, the two guys from Boston that came out and just bombed Congress with a mountain of evidence about how their foundation had completely done everything illegal that they claimed it did? Pay for play, everything. Guess what happened during Trump's administration? Pfft, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Tell me about that. 
How about, oh, let's, let's really believe that the new report's going to come out and change everything. I hope it does. I pray that these people actually get held accountable. But are we really going to pretend that it's, but this is over-consuming the right-leaning media today, which, by the way, usually tells me that they're not as honest as we want to pretend they are, whether Tucker or the Independent or whatever else. The two-party paradigm is an illusion. And anybody invested in that is going to be manipulating you, even if they don't realize they're doing it. We have to be smarter than this today, guys. Now, I could be wrong, as always, but I just think it's that obvious that these kind of things are being pushed out now for very clear reasons. Now, I want to play a really small part of this, then I'm going to play a longer clip of it at the end, but it's an hour-long thing. We need to remember this. From 2020, the previous Ukrainian government speaking out about who? About Biden. Now, for those in the podcast, I'm pretty much going to say you're going to have to watch this. I'll put the link in there. He's basically speaking out about how they siph- they stif- they siph- siphoned money from the government, or rather from the people of Ukraine, to the Biden family. It's pretty interesting. Take you know, Watch for yourself. Actually, here, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this slightly differently so I can correct this microphone for a second. Let me just grab the, the video itself and play it for you that way while I do this. Добрый день, уважаемые коллеги. Сегодняшняя пресс-конференция посвящена новым фактам разоблачения международной коррупции и внешнего управления Украины. Именно из-за утечки информации о сегодняшней пресс-конференции именно на прошлой неделе было объявлено о наложении на меня сам. So I guess I could give you some little points as we go. So he's basically saying that because of leaked information about the press conference last week, it was announced that this this individual would be sanctioned by politicians from the U.S. Department of State. Or Treasury, excuse me. Они очень не хотели, чтобы мы обнародовали то, что мы сегодня опубликуем. Но от пресс-конференции мы не отказались. На кону государственная независимость и суверенитет Украины. А главное, возможность на основании документов, фактов, вещественных доказательств и теперь... Basically funneling billions of dollars from Ukrainian citizens. Теперь еще показания свидетелей вернуть миллиарды средств украинским гражданам. Вопрос касательно санкций я обязательно сегодня прокомментирую, но хотел бы отметить следующее. Демокоррупционеры действительно очень боятся. И поэтому каждое слово, которое будет сегодня нами озвучено, подкреплено документами, цифрами и шокирующими записями. С каждым новым фактом, новой записью, новой Проводкой по счетам мы убеждаемся, что внешнее управление и международная коррупция – это сиамские близнецы с множеством лиц, высших государственных чинов, олигархов, схемщиков и многих других персонажей, которые воруют у украинского народа. Что сегодня будет обнародовано? Первое. Доказательство вывода через финансовые ямы миллионов... Evidence of withdrawal through financial holes of millions of dollars stolen from the Ukrainian people, laundered with the help of banks and laundromats, well, you know, like laundering money, in various jurisdictions. ...долларов, украденных украинского народа, отмытых с помощью банков и моек в различных юрисдикциях и последующими перечислениями... ...and their subsequent transfer to the accounts of the company belonging to the Biden family. ...их 
на счета компании семьи Байденов. Новые записи разговоров. Number two, new recordings of conversations between the persons who appear to be the fifth president of Ukraine, Poroshenko, and former U.S. Vice President Joe Biden. Пятого президента Украины Петра Порошенко и экс-вице-президента США Джо Байдена, свидетельствующие о внешнем управлении. Testifying to external governance. Basically showing you the obvious coordination between the U.S. government and the new government and how this was a complete regime change fraud. It was not what they pretended it was. Number three, we will also unveil, unveil colossal corruption scheme related to the procurement of coal and gas due to which Ukrainians pay 30% higher utility tariffs. Exactly. One of the main examples as well about why the Ukrainian people are not happy with what ultimately went down. At the same time, the highest officials of Ukraine and the United States participated in these schemes. Therefore, we will also make public the facts of embezzlement of hundreds of thousands of dollars of technical assistance provided to Ukraine by the U.S. state, as well as evidence of deliberate sabotage by the Prosecutor General's Office of Ukraine. He says, I repeat once again, every word that we will voice today is supported by documents, numbers, and records that were given to us by investigative journalists, as well as people who have inf information about corruption schemes and witnesses who are directly involved in a number of processes which we will talk about. Today. He says, we will transfer all facts about international corruption and external governance of Ukraine at our disposal to the law enforcement agencies, which, by the way, did absolutely nothing about it, because, as we know, this is completely co-opted by the very government that they're pointing out. Right? So this just got shelved and put away. They got who knows what happened to them. Now, I'm gonna, there, I was trying to get, there's another part where they get in. I'll, I'm going to play this at the end. So if you want to see the rest of this clip that I'm going to play, I will put the full link in the show notes. But I just want you to understand this is very clear about how this was called out by, by people that had the information. The information was presented and this got ignored. Because it, you obviously know why that is. I mean, it's an obvious reality as they're lying and hyping and everything today because they wanted different people in place. This is a chess game. It has nothing to do with the truth, especially when you're dealing with the people that we're talking about today. But going over to Canada to finish this off today, I want us to think about what this looks like. I want us to think about where we see this trucker pro protest going and how it will be used. Now, there's no way to suggest that it's not very important and that it shouldn't that it should not have happened. The idea, like, for instance, the point I was talking about with somebody today, like my show, for instance, right? I promise you, my very content is being used, pointed at, to suggest that they should take action, like so many other people in this field. Does that mean that what I'm doing is wrong and I should stop because they're going to use it against us? No. Just because they're dishonest about it doesn't mean we should stop doing it, right? The point is, there are lots of people, if not in all of them out there, that are just standing up for their freedom.
for their right to choose, not from a right or left position, but from a nonpartisan position, which they're so terrified of. It's all this whole COVID thing has always been nonpartisan because people see how crazy this is and they're desperate to frame it as one thing. Why? Because it clearly ties in with this long agenda they're building right now. They want it to be alt-right, white supremacist. It's obvious that's been their couched argument from the very beginning of anything against this whole thing. It's lazy. So in Canada, when we saw this whole thing just explode, I believe it was either pushed forward to that point or it was capitalized on immediately. That's my, I'm very concerned about where this is going because we can already see it. We'll get into the Emergencies Act and how it's being used. They're framing this as an alt-right, white supremacy kind of thing, just like January 6th. And that's tying back in with everything we're talking about today. I think this is one of the beginning points at which they're trying to push forward this agenda. Now, I want to be clear again, in no way does that mean this is not important and was not the right thing to do and we shouldn't support it. But we need to be aware it's being used and factor that into how we frame it. And my problem is that people on on partisan perspectives either dismiss this whole thing as alt-right crazy nonsense or are already angry that I'm even doubting that anybody, everyone there is not on their side. And that's the problem with partisanship. Because we have to acknowledge that there are people like the person who was wielding this one flag. Now, of course, it could have just been one moron that doesn't understand that that's the wrong thing to do and that nobody there supports that. Or it could have been somebody that went out intentionally and was tied back to the government that wanted to do that so they could then turn around and point to it, which is what I believe. And in fact, I believe that's what it was actually proven. This person was there and was not. They've already found multiple people that were clearly tied back to government positions or people that were there as agent provocateurs and so on. Happens every single time. That's how they shut these things down. So as it continues, I think we need to think about that. And my point has always been, whether it was intended or not, do we need to kind of realize that the way this went is sort of counterintuitive. If like, for instance, in Europe, I pointed this out when they were starting theirs. I don't know how that ultimately went from uh, the Saskatchewan discussion they were building there, or not Saskatchewan, but like on the place, that's more in Canada. I'm talking about the place, the one in Europe. Shoot, I'm forgetting where, it was Brussels. That's what it was. I'm pretty sure it was Brussels. The point was, in Europe, at least they tried to do it where they were surrounding the capitals and stopping the movement of the politicians as opposed to the normal people. Because a lot of what this has done, even though there's been a lot of effort to keep lanes open and so on, by and large, it's been ultimately pointed at as the reason things are breaking down or stopping or the supply chain's an issue, even though that's not even remotely what's happening. The government has created or made this happen. The government has shut down the economy, destroyed the economy, destroyed everything. And the point is now that they stop their flow for one moment when they don't want it to be stopped, it's like the biggest terrorist act of all time. But destroying, shutting down your entire economy for years is totally acceptable because of their narrative. It's just hypocritical. My point being is that it's, it seems to have driven the same direction. It stopped traffic, it stopped supply chains, it stopped people from moving. It's sort of like a, it's, it's, its own version of a quarantine and, and lockdown. I do not think that was the intention, but I think it's been used that way. And I think we need to be very concerned about how that's being framed. I would argue, again, that we should do this in a way that stops them from moving because they're the people that are restricting your life. Stop them from doing their business from in and out of the capital and so on. That makes much more sense to me. But I do think people just are part of this because it's the right thing to do, to stand up and protest for what you have a right to do. Now, here we have Doug Ford declaring a state of emergency. Over the protest, which by the way, you remember, I told you this was going to happen. I knew this would lead to exactly the same reason. It's, it's the extension of their state of emergency for whatever reason, because of what, the, what it, it's self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, what's interesting to me 
This is Disclosed TD on the Wayback Machine because for whatever reason, they seem to have deleted this tweet. I don't know why. I just find that to be weird. I don't know. I don't really know why, but I'll, I will play it right here on somebody else's channel. Here's what he said. Well, in the interest of time in general, I'm just, he just, he says, in my authority, I'm going to declare a state of emergency because of these protests, which is crazy to me. Now, here is New York Times reporting that despite the court order, Canada's protesters were still blocking this key border bridge. Now, the reality being that it's absolutely crazy to me that these governments will go out of their way to argue that, let's say, an Antifa protest or Black Lives Matter protest, doing the same thing is at least acceptable because they align with them politically. Now, let's also be clear. There's plenty of Black Lives Matter protests or Antifa for that matter, even though the right won't like me to say this, where I can point to where there hasn't been violence or looting. Just because those are the ones that we focus on, I've seen protests with Black Lives Matter that are totally peaceful. So the re- it doesn't mean that they're not maybe by and large. I mean, the bottom line is there's more nuance than there always is in the mainstream partisan talking points. My point in saying that is simply to point out that they will always try to frame it in partisan media as every single Black Lives Matter breaking windows, that's all they do, and they are okay with it, which is not exactly honest. Yes, they are okay with it when it happens seemingly because apparently they align with it or that they can do protests during COVID because, well, it's a really important protest, but if you do it on a different side of it, it's, oh my God, you're killing people. It just makes sense. But we have to be honest and recognize that there have been other protests that haven't gone that way. But here we are where they're going, they're still doing this and they're not even violently doing anything. That's they keep trying to pretend that they're violent because they'll point to one person or one area that did one thing. And that's incredibly dishonest to frame everybody like that. But they're simply blocking the path. Now, we know from the very beginning of this on the other side of the argument that blocking the streets, as I've already shown you, has been justified in their minds. Even the mainstream media says this is the new form of protest because it has to be. But now they don't do that because, whoa, now they're shutting down the economy. Well, you're a disgusting hypocrite. It can't matter one time, but not the other. But they're using this to step into this. Canadian government invokes Emergencies Act due to blockades and protests over COVID-19 measures. The Emergencies Act. This is becoming the new thing. So I am very concerned that this might have been the entire point, whether or not it's been organic. You, you heard my concern the very moment we had some leadership group stand up and talk to only certain people and it was all right-leaning media and something weird about this that felt very QAnon-ish. Not the whole thing, not the protest itself, but the way it was being presented and grabbed onto by partisan media. It's concerning because I already got, I told you I'm very concerned about where I already see the 2024 Trump thing pulling people back into this that were very much on the side of like objectivity in regard to COVID-19 and now going Trump side which concerns me. But here we are watching them roll this into the Emergencies Act based on this whole movement. I pointed this out about the Yellow Vest discussion. That's why I think the Yellow Vests were so successful because there wasn't a leadership movement, right? I mean, even remember, remember when that happened, even QAnon tried to step in and claim it. They made this whole charter and put it out and we were very quick to say that's not even remotely associated with the white helmet. Or excuse me, <laughs> terrible, terrible thing to say right there. White vest, excuse me, Jesus. Yellow vests. <laughs> It wasn't. It wasn't remotely connected to it. And there was a weird moment where they were QN on, kind of, they tried to co-opt it. Maybe that's what happens here. We need to be concerned about that. The problem is that it's already kind of crossed over with the right side of this. And then people are, they don't want to challenge that. We cannot allow these things to be partisan because it will be used against us, hands down, just like this. Even if it's organic and we should support it because we should. Here's a quick little video 
uh, supporting Kim, Kip Simpson over here on Super U. He shared this out. The federal government has not met the threshold, says the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, necessary to invoke the Emergencies Act. This law creates a high and clear standard for good reason. The act allows government to bypass ordinary democratic processes. Exactly. This is like Trump using the Defense Production Act or declaring a state of emergency. None of these things are justified. They just continue forward. And here we are, stepping into the next one in Canada. Watch the video. He does a great job. Oh, I did have some stuff down here. So it says the Emergencies Act can provide for the use of the military, but may not necessarily lead to that. Isn't that great? So already they already set the tone for they could actually use the military to, to disperse protests within its own country. Freedom. And Trudeau said the government is not bringing them in, but until we decide they might be useful tomorrow, right? But it can temporarily suspend citizens' rights to free movement or assembly. <coughs> Excuse me. And the government is taking steps to stop financial support of illegal protests. Why are they illegal? Because they say so. That's it. Right? Were the, uh, were the Black Lives Matter protests that were blocking streets illegal? No. They didn't. They said they supported them. So it's only illegal because they don't agree with what they're mean. They're, they're protesting, which, which means they're breaking the law. The Canadian government. And by they say taking steps to do this, that means robbing them of their money taking it from their bank accounts, shutting down their bank accounts because they just claim it's an emergency. Not a joke. The trucker-inspired protests have for weeks disturbed residents of Ottawa. Oh no, disturbed them? And recently impeded traffic flow at crossings at the U.S. border. Right, so totally okay when it's for a reason we agree with, but not now. Can't do it now because economy. Oh, but you just destroyed the economy because of a lie you sold before, but now it matters. Got it. The Canadian law passed in 1988, states, for purposes of this act, the national emergency is an urgent and critical situation of a temporary nature. Urgent and critical? Explain that to me. How is this urgent and critical? That cannot be effectively dealt with under any other law of Canada. Are we really pretending that you can't just, if you think they're breaking the law, then arrest them? Ah, but you see, there's the problem. They're not breaking the law. So you have to create an emergency situation, which then gives you the illegal, the, the, the emergency powers to do whatever you want. And now we can take them down. That's how that works. Trudeau said the government is not overriding the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, nor limiting the right to peaceful assembly. Quote, we are not preventing people from ex exercising their right to protest legally. You see, so now they just arbitrarily deem one versus the other illegal. Therefore, they just pretend we're not doing any of that. You see, we're not limiting right to peaceful assembly. We're just stopping illegal protesters. And why is it illegal? Because we said so. Government says. It's as simple as that. Now. Point being, here are. The Canadian Civil Liberties Association just openly saying he's lying to you. They don't have that authority and they didn't, they, do, they, they shouldn't have enacted this. But they did anyway, because it's not about law and they don't care about what you think. Now, here's an interesting point about this. The media came out with this really hot and was like, federal government invokes Emergencies Act. And they kept framing this as the first time. Now, this one was pretty clear saying in response to protests. But a lot of them basically framed this. I think this next one of these next ones is very clear as if this was the very first time it had happened. Trudeau invokes Emergencies Act for the first time. And you could argue this is saying kind of the same way to aid convoy blockades. But they wanted you to feel like this was the first time. This one was very clear. This was the first time in Canadian history that the law has been implemented since it replaced the War Measures Act. Now, that's the, the nuance. 
It's not the first time. In fact, you'll find it interesting that the first time it was used was when his father did it. That's right. Trudeau's father was the first one to do this. Shouldn't be surprising at all. But interestingly, also to note that this thing was used, they used to be called the War Measures Act. And now they just renamed it casually to the Emergencies Act. Sort of like the Department of War is now the Department of Defense. Are they defending you? Not really. They're carrying war out all over the world, but they just like you to think it's defense, like preemptive self-defense, like everything else they're lying about. But here we are again, another Trudeau stepping in and creating the same situation. Isn't that interesting? Here it is, October crisis. Now, I'm not going to go into the interesting points about this and whether or not there's discussions there because I'm not very familiar with it. I'm only just looking into this today. But I'd let maybe if there's somebody from Canada who wants to give me more insight on whether this was a lie or not too, uh, there was, there's plenty of comments about it. But the October crisis, they say, refers to a chain of events that started in October 1970 when members of the Front de, de Liberation de Quebec kidnapped the LFQ, actually or the FLQ. I think I remember this, in fact, like not wasn't alive, obviously, but I remember people talking about this. Kidnapped the provincial deputy premier, uh, Pierre Laporte, and British diplomat James Cross from his Montreal residence. These events saw the Prime Minister, Pierre Trudeau, invoking the War Measures Act for the first time in Canadian history during peacetime. Now, why is that war? You see my meaning? Like, why is it a war measure when it's a, an isolated event inside the country? You see, this is a weird part about the same point here. Why would you initiate the Emergencies Act when there's a, it's a, it's one, it's not like there's a, the idea this is an emergency. It just, it's the same argument as claiming COVID's an emergency for three years straight. It kind of contradicts the reality of an emergency. Now here is where it gets a really alarming. As this person points out, this is arguably the most consequential 80 seconds of any speech delivered by a government official in as long as they can remember. This is the panopticon and the new digital gulag. This is the start of the depersoning. This will expand to every country and every offense. Now, this is really interesting. Now, in fact, I, I want to grab this real quick because I forgot I wanted to actually keep this one. But we have to remember how all of this crosses over, like especially into like the digital ID discussion, right? And the COVID-19 technocratic future discussion. Oh, maybe I did already have it. it. looks like I already, oh, I did already download it. Here we go. I think I already have it. Yep, there it is. The government is issuing an order with immediate effect under the Emergencies Act, authorizing Canadian financial institutions to temporarily cease providing financial services where the institution suspects that an account is being used to further the illegal blockades and occupations. Okay, so in occupations, of course, they're framing it like some sort of a foreign occupation, right? Is That's not an accidental overlap. Don't miss these, these notes they put in there like that. But you're going to steal the money of people because you've arbitrarily deemed that the, what they're doing is illegal, not because what they're doing is actually illegal. I mean, and for, look at it this way too. Maybe someone out there is doing something illegal. You could even argue that blocking the street could be illegal if they, that's, you know, bottom line is that's not everybody. Like how about, like I said before, how about the fact that there are people just driving that had no intention of blocking anything that just end up stuck behind the people that did in the beginning, that did something up front. Are you going to really pretend that all of them are you? I mean, how about proving any of it? Don't you have to prove intent? Isn't that part of a legal process? 
You can't just, add, you know, the idea here that these people are inherently illegal and just and, and criminals now because you've just broadly stroked every single person involved in any of these things illegal is just crazy to me. That is totalitarian, guys. At its peak, you are just going, you're all criminals because I say so. Go get them. Oh, you can't even donate to them. You go, if you honk on the way by, we're going to delete your account and arrest you. Right? I mean, this stuff is actually happening. This order covers both personal and corporate accounts. Third, we are directing Canadian financial institutions to... I just want to point something out real quick. Some uh, Reborn's telling uh, Ezra from Rebel News is saying that she's uh, worked for George Soros for 20 years, which wouldn't surprise me at all. Not at all. That's, I mean, that's not even remotely surprising. Ezra from Rebel News has been really covering a lot of this, what's going obviously from Canada, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible what's happening there. Institutions to review, Canadian financial institutions to review their relationships with anyone involved in the illegal blockades and report to the RCMP or CSIS. So they literally just told banks, reflect on your relationship. So that's just basically language for saying, delete them from your bank, remove their money, take their account because they protested. This is an alarming precedent that just it's been set now. It's happened already. They're now stealing money from individuals because they dared do what the government said they can't. As of today, a bank or other financial service provider will be able to immediately freeze or suspend an account without a court order. Wow. I, I mean, does anybody even remotely think that's legal? I mean, even the people that think this is good because they just don't like what they think are all Trump supporters because they're ignorant. They know that's not okay. Like the idea that the government can just, without, without going through due process, just take your money because of what you stated is now, that's crazy. This is the same thing as saying, well, because you wear a red hat, we're just going to steal your money and take your bank account because we've deemed that to be a threat of white supremacy. Like, you may think that sounds crazy, but it's just the same thing. Like, understand, they're not saying we prove they broke the law. They're saying anybody anywhere involved in this protest, you can take their money. Like, you realize that doesn't even have to be proven. Someone can just tell them, look, we saw them at this protest on a social... I mean, that's crazy. This is so incredibly off the rails. This is authoritarian totalitarianism, guys. They are wildly showing you what they really are. They do not care. This is, I'm telling you, this, Ukraine, this whole thing is getting per, 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 uh, per, um, propelled into the next agenda. Now, I do not think that that means that the whole Ukraine war, like I said, I think that's just a, a means to an end. It's this stuff that matters. It's the COVID crossover, in my opinion, the framework, the infrastructure they're building. It's all about creating the threat. And I think that's where the Ukraine white supremacy part of this comes into it. But I can't believe they're saying this without open. We're just going to take your money. We don't even need to prove it. Shouldn't be that surprising since we know in the United States they actively do things called, uh, uh, oh, I'm going to blank on it now. Come on. Shoot. I can't, I hate that I keep forgetting stuff. Well, it, cops in this country can just take your money because they claim they think you're going to do something illegal with it. I really hate that. Somebody in the chat will tell me what it's called. Please tell me, remind me. I've written multiple articles about it and I can't remember right now. Uh, asset forfeiture. Thank God. Civil asset forfeiture happens in this country all the time. They just take your money. 
And you say, well, you probably you have $10,000 in cash. You're probably going to do something wrong with that. We'll take it. And if you think that's not true, it happens all the time. I reported on a couple that was driving to open a church. They even had the documentation in the car. They had like 15 grand. They were, it was a Mexican couple. They pulled them over. They literally stole the money and they never got it back to this day. 100% verifiable. Went to court, everything. Just because they said you look like you're suspicious, we took your money. This is the reality of what these governments are capable of and they just don't care. And now it's happening because they just don't like what you're standing up for. Don't miss the importance of that. In doing so, they will be protected against civil liability for actions taken in good faith. In good faith. That's all that means. In good faith means if you do it in the line of this narrative. So if you do this because you thought they were doing something of a protest, then it's okay. As long as it's in good faith, we don't care. That's literally what she just said. Federal government institutions will have a new broad authority to share relevant information with banks and other financial service providers. Same thing that Biden and everyone's trying to do in this country. Guys, this is shutting you down. This is coming. To ensure that we can all work together to put a stop to the funding of these illegal blockades. Hmm. How incredible is that? I, I, I'm just almost baffled that this is where we actually are. I mean, I'm not surprised, to be quite honest, because we've seen this coming. But man, this is an alarming jump that I just didn't see coming this fast. Now, rolling this forward to finish this up, guys, a really interesting point I wanted to make that I really wanted, I was really going to cross this over into some COVID conversation, but not in the show tonight. Take a look at this. This is a really strange. This one, the woman that was just talking, look at the way she's acting right before she gets up there. I'm, my gut would tell me that she was having some sort of a heart problem, but you tell me what you think. Watch, watch the way she reacts. Jump weirdly jumping around in a very strange, erratic way. Right? Like, what's that? You know what I mean? Like, she's struggling with something. This is my opinion. But she's jumping around. She's struggling. She's shrugging. She's holding her chest. It's strange. That's what this person's saying. Why is Freakland having a, a panic attack? Maybe it's that she can't breathe through that mask. That's certainly possible. We literally watch people pass out. Like remember that girl we watched that was like bre like breathlessly like screaming about why masks were the best thing for children and she like almost passed out because she couldn't breathe. <laughs> happens all the time because these things are dangerous for people that wear them all day long, of course, obviously, or you know, even small periods of time, they have negative effects. But the real danger is wearing them all the time for a long period of time. All the things we talked about over and over and over, including the increased risk of infection. Yep, all that stuff. Talking about harassing people in the streets. You can hear Trudeau in the background, right? Prove this stuff, dude. You want to prove it? You want to show us people that are doing this? Then, and then you can. The reason they don't is because they'll end up showing you a video of one person over here doing one thing. And that just in no way represents this entire protest. But they don't care about that. They're being dishonest on purpose. Of course, it gets weird and freaks out there, but look at, watch her close up. It's weird. I mean, it's not crazy, but it's weird. I just have to point that out. 
Weird. Anyway, and, you know, and the fact that she holds her chest for a second, like there's just something strange going on there. And I don't know what, I mean, my gut would just tell me these people and some, to some are mass and everything else. I mean, it has an effect on your life and your health. We know that. Now, lastly, I'll just play the beginning part of this. This is Trudeau's father. This is him talking about the war measures and what he did. And fanatical men are I'm speaking to you at a moment of grave crisis. When violent and fanatical men are attempting to destroy the unity and the freedom of Canada. Sound familiar? One aspect of that crisis is the threat which has been made on the lives of two innocent men. These are matters of the utmost gravity, and I want to tell you what the government is doing to deal with them. And interestingly similar, isn't it? We're defending the freedom of the country and it's being attacked by people that don't respect our freedom. It's just the same thing. It's the same thing over. And his father was the first one. The war measures, which is the same thing. They just changed the name. Now they're doing it again, right? They're at war with you, right? All this stuff is being, it's, it, they're hiding the war on you by faking a war over here. With, with Meanwhile, building up the threat they're going to use against you in other ways all across the world right now including here and including in the United States, they're building the narrative for why this is the next threat. Now, a couple of points. Lastly, I just want to follow up on a couple of things that I've seen over the last so many days. Andrew Lawton pointing out plainclothes police officers telling Windsor protesters they will be arrested shortly if they don't leave. Now, note, first of all, these are plainclothes people. You wouldn't know maybe besides like this one beanie she's wearing. I can't know. That just looks like a normal beanie. These are plainclothes people. So they are coming up and saying, yeah, you got to leave. We're cops. First of all, I'd be like, get away from me. You know, sh show, identify yourself or don't talk to me. You know what I mean? Like, or even then don't talk to me. <laughs> but the point is they could not do that. These people could be the ones that throw a punch or break a window and you would never know. And if you think that's ridiculous, then you don't pay attention. Asia, they have, they have documentation about Asia provocateurs and the FBI and the police. It's what they do. Watch this or listen to it. Like, isn't that like, first of all, that woman's like moves that person because she's like, ah, I don't want, you know, just so no one's behind me. Like, you didn't tell me you're a cop. Like, don't touch me. <laughs> I'll stay behind you. I want to. Like, it's just so strange. Like, they represent themselves as cops, at least in the situation, but they don't identify themselves. They don't have any, any insignias on. Like, is that strange? It is strange. And the fact that they're, I, mean, I don't know. There's just, this whole thing is very alarming. And they're right now telling people to leave or they're going to be arrested for doing what? For sitting there? Exactly. Everybody can be arrested. How in the world do you justify that? So the guy sitting here on the bench, not in, not even in the street, will be arrested if he doesn't leave. Because he's sitting there in a place they've just decided you're no longer allowed to be. In a public space right by a McDonald's. Yeah, what a criminal. How dare you stand up for what you believe in? It, it, oh, but you didn't, just not for this. You can't do it for this thing. Because this is what white supremacists do. How? I mean, this is what it happened. This is the emergency reality. They don't even need to justify, justify it or rationalize it anymore. You're a terrorist because you're doing what we don't agree with. 
Welcome to the new normal. Here, police in some military-style gear move in to remove protesters blocking the Canada U.S.-Canada border. Right, this is this is the freedom of Canada. That guy sitting on a bench, look, militarily, right? Didn't we tell you this was coming? They've already, then this is a different situation. Uh, give, send, go. Apparently is fighting back after a Canadian judge freezes their money. This is all real time. Like they are stealing money from these people. How in the world can you justify money being donated from an individual to a different company that then gets given to somebody who set this up just because it claims to be tied to this? That's incredibly abstract. There's no legal standing for this. It is wildly unjust. This one's a crazy one as well. As I said, look at how quickly it was normalized and just, oh, I'll play it first, actually. You guys have probably seen this. She shows up at this person's house. Why? Because she posted something on Facebook. That's it. Literally shows up to tell her what she should be doing because she posted something that they didn't agree with on Facebook. This is totalitarianism. This is authoritarianism in real time. Sorry, since you're at my home, can I just get your name and your badge number, please? I have a card here. Okay. Eric Engel. Thank you. And this is just some information about peaceful Oh my God, she's not wearing her mask. Don't you care about my safety? Oh my God, you're such, you see, like, it's just so stupid. Yeah, go arrest that kid for not wearing one, but go ahead and take it off while you're two feet from me. These people are ridiculous. And by the way, if you're new to the show, I'm not suggesting they should be wearing masks. They're quite the opposite. Okay, so you saw something on my Facebook? No, on the Facebook group. Okay. And decided to come to my personal residence to... Give me information about peaceful protest. Yes. Okay. So are the Peterborough police? No, you're with OPP. Um, are you guys now monitoring people's Facebook pages or Facebook groups? Look at how confused like she is. Their, um, uh, status updates are or what they're doing or within the group. Like, because of the protest happening province-wide, yes, we have been monitoring the protest. Look at that. Okay. okay. So there's a protest coming up. I'm simply providing you with information about a peaceful protest. And now I'm leaving. Oh, okay. Not at all. So... And that's alarming. The Ontario Provincial Police are watching what people are doing on Facebook in different groups, whether yep. or not they're commenting, participating, liking. Uh-huh. And you guys are now doing service calls to give people information about peaceful protest. It's just a proactive measure to make sure you understand your rights about peaceful protest. I absolutely, I have a copy of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, so I'm- Right, it it should be happening in reverse, right? The police should be in school on what they're actually legally allowed to do. Like, how ridiculous is that? Oh, thank you for showing up unannounced at my home to inform me about what I'm legally allowed to do. Except that's not what's happening because you don't even remotely understand what I'm legally allowed to do because you're literally shutting down legal protests. This is so incredibly invasive and alarming. Despite using the most, you know, meek looking person possible. Like, oh, I'm just here for your for your rights to help you out. Right? Clearly, that's a reason they chose her. This is crazy. They're watching what you're doing online, unannounced showing up at your home to tell you without, in a, in, in a, in a, abstract way what you're what you're allowed to do here's what you can do right don't go out to that protest and do what you're not allowed to do only do with on what i just gave you on this piece of paper if you don't if you do anything else it's not freedom that's crazy absolutely crazy to me but here is an interesting counterpoint now this is what's important i need people to understand this like i said in the beginning 
whether or not, and I, I can almost promise you that there are people that are at these protests that are absolutely not on your side. People that are there so that they can create problems. That's agent provocateurs. It's what they do. But there are people that are there that are fighting for the real, the right reasons. They're there for freedom, therefore the right to choose, not for a partisan side, just to stand up for our right to make our own decisions. One of them is this police officer, which sort of challenges the entire narrative of what they're trying to sell you in Canada. Check this out. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm down here with a police officer in Ottawa. How are you doing today? Doing great. How has it been down here? Uh, nothing but good. People are super good. The truckers have been uh, having a good time. They've been getting their point across. And, you know, it's a beautiful city that we're in, and uh, they can't ignore all of this. Absolutely. So, thank you very much. Let me play that again. Truckers have been uh, good. People are super good. The truckers have been uh, having a good time. They've been getting their point across. And, you know, it's a beautiful city that we're in, and uh, they can't ignore all of this. Absolutely. Yeah, he clearly gets it. Whether mask or not, this guy clearly, they can't ignore all this, can they? That's the point. And that's exactly why they rationalized why it was a good thing that Black Lives Matter did it because they're getting their point across, except they don't want this point to get across because it's not politically advantageous for them, right? This is a police officer telling you on the record, they're not being violent, at least in this location, which then shows you clearly that it's not all the protest. It's what they're framing it as. He's telling you they've been kind. They've been respectful. They're only just here to protest. Oops. Right. The point is that Justin Trudeau and these people are being willfully dishonest and they're happy to misrepresent this because they don't want this happening. So is this police officer an alt-right conspiracy theorist or whatever? Yeah, probably by the way they're going to frame it. But he's telling you the truth about what he saw. You can't lie about all of it, but they're going to try. Now, she's pointing out that armored vehicles have been arriving in Paris and be used against citizens protesting the mandates because it's not just Canada, guys. When a government turns on its own civilians, it has no moral authority to remain. Several of the same situation is saying, you know, when they're, when they're uh, destructive to its own ends, you have the right to abolish it. That's the Constitution, or paraphrasing, right? Except they frame that as, revolu- as you know, anti-government. And the simple point is it's amazing that they're framing the Constitution as anti-government. Right. The same way they try to frame the Second Amendment as being somehow dangerous. It's literally your right. You can frame it as hunting if you want to be dishonest about it. It doesn't change the fact that you have a right to own it. But the point is it's the same idea. When a government turns on its civilians, it has no moral authority to remain. Right now, your government is, de- is, is destructive to its own ends, at least what they frame it as. The ends of what, the, what we believe we should be driving toward. They're destroying that because they never cared about it. It was a means to an end for them. So thereby, the, by the Constitution, you have a right to abolish it. And they can frame that as violence. I'm not. I'm simply saying we have a legal right to change what's happening. They don't like that. So I'm now a terrorist. That's how that works. Despite me overtly always telling you that I am never talking about violence. Violence begets violence. We need a new path forward. But they'll cut that part out when they try to frame what I'm saying. Oh, and breaking news. As you can see, the Ottawa police had a huge bust with some firewood. Now, to be quite honest, I, I'm actually baffled that people thought this was real. <laughs> Plenty of people in the comments are like, what? I can't believe it. It's, it's a joke. I, this is a joke. And because it, I've seen things like this where the cops were literally had like two grams of cannabis on the table. <laughs> just, you're like the huge bust and we did it. And they wasted like a million dollars for the bust. It's like pathetic. But they love to do that. They love to frame their half a gram of cannabis. You know, they, even, a, even, a, even a, an ounce to them, an ounce is so much. But it's not really. And they'll waste 
$20,000 to break it, to arrest you and take your ounce. But it's just funny watching them sit there like they're so proud of their wood. Because don't forget, they're literally stopping people from bringing wood for people or, or bringing gas for people or even honking on the way by because they're fighting for freedom, right? This is not a joke. Facebook says using the word honk violates a community sta- violates its community standards. Why? Because honk is now an alt-right term. Honk. Why? Because you're supporting them honking? Well, because people like this are just putting honk and they're going, oh, I see. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Alt-right. Supremacy. Like the okay symbol becomes everything they want it to be. It's just ridiculous. It's absolutely just baffling to me that this is people buy this stuff. As Sal the Agris points out, here's somebody challenging everything. The convoy protest applauded by right-wing media as a freedom protest. Dang it, I just remembered I had one that I was going to include today. Is an economic and security issue now. Oh, why? Because it's creating the same situation on a small fact on a small scale that you already created with the shutdown lockdowns and destroying the economy. Yeah. Can't have that happen to a small degree afterward, right? The ambassador bridge link constitutes 28% of annual trade movement between us and Canada. She says, slash the tires, empty the gas tanks, arrest the drivers and move the trucks. <laughs> hilarious. And this meme says, slash the tires, drain the tanks, arrest the drivers, move the trucks. And the guy goes, Oh wait, Move the trucks. Wait, we just drained the tanks, slash the tires, and arrest the drivers. How do we move the trucks? <laughs> it's just, who cares? Now, it could just be a dumb point from a dumb person, or it could be that there's, a, you know, they don't want it to stop. I think it's a useful thing to them. I really do think it's just a dumb person making a dumb point. Regardless, it's kind of hilarious how the pushback comes. But my point that I forgot that I want to include, I didn't pull it out of my, my show notes that I had from before. Gosh, it would have been a great point to have. Let me see if I can actually just grab it really quickly. There's a point here where they've actually turned the word freedom. Uh, let's see. They did that. Oh, shoot. I forgot my own twiddle hand. <laughs> Not mine. Whoever this person is. That's what it is. There you go. All right. Let's see if I can find it real quick to end on here. Because this is an important tweet. Okay. Oops. There it is. Beautiful. Okay. This is actually really crazy. This is important to find and include to finish off here. And then I'll end with that, that, uh, the less, the rest of that clip, or at least the rest of the clip that I made of the hour show. CBS news on February 13th literally said the word has become common among far right groups. Experts say, quote, why the word freedom is such a useful rallying cry for protesters. They are literally framing the word freedom as alt-right. I mean, like I said, this is when the word, the very word freedom becomes a radical term. Welcome to COVID-1984, where peace or war is peace, freedom is slavery, and ignorance is strength. Guys, this is incredible. The word freedom. This is Pete Clown World, if you've ever seen it. Because the word freedom is what they're, it's nonpartisan. They're out there simply going, we want the right to choose. And they're going, terrorists. Oh my God, look at, they don't even like, they don't like, they don't believe in, I mean, I, I don't even know how you make an, an honest argument about that without being ridiculous. And that's my point. They're being ridiculous. The word freedom is now dangerous. I don't know how much more 1984 you can get. 
to where we are. Hopefully this has reached somebody because this is alarming. The whole crossover. Now, whatever my next show is, we'll be going into a lot more stuff that I keep having put off to the side. But man, I tell you guys, there is something happening here that is bigger than COVID-1984, that is bigger than Ukraine, Russia, that is more about the future of their narrative. At least that's how I feel about it. Please let me know what you think, comments or whatever else. Shoot us emails. We're going to finish off with the rest of this clip. I hope this opened people's minds with my stupid mic arm today. (laughs) I need to change all of this for tomorrow, but it's just, I, I really can't. I don't think people can miss how important this is. And I really want people to go back and listen to the discussion Whitney and I had. Her and I are going to connect real soon on a couple of things. But the discussion we had about the, the election the election special and how this crossover was already being discussed about 9-11, a new budding 9-11, which I guess was supposed to be 1-6 and it didn't really pan out for them. And, you know, but they're still standing on it. It's still the white supremacists and the insurrection. Oh, my God, they're doing the same thing in China. In, in, Canada, it's just, it's, it's falling flat, but what's building might not. And we can stop these things if we get ahead of them, just like I think we at least slowed down what they're doing with COVID-19. Thank you for being here today, guys. What I was thinking right there is that every, every time I end here, I'm always just kind of baffled by how this has continued and how all of you continue to be here and support the last American Vagabond and how much we've grown and changed and adapted and it's, it's inspiring. And I know you guys see how much you've made an effect and how much we've influenced other media and how everything has continued to grow. It's, it's powerful. And that's exactly why they're so afraid of people like us and everybody else in independent media, because they can't control this. That's why the T-Lab pirate post, which I'm going to talk about a lot more tomorrow. I want, I, I, I have an, ex- I know how this is going to work just like it's working with the YouTube, the YouTube ones that I can tell is driving them crazy. We can change the rules. If we don't care about have them censoring us and we can just pop in everywhere else, it kind of changes the game, doesn't it? But you can't just censor me tomorrow. As long as we keep the network and we keep doing the same thing and working together and growing this, they can't really stop this. They'll find a way, I bet, but we'll just adapt and grow around it. It's about reaching those people and they don't want that because you have the reality. You have the truth on your side and that scares the hell out of them. Thank you for being here, guys. I will see you soon. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. You know what I was, I just realized something. Yeah. I forgot. I have a great, great clip that I'm not going to play today because it really wouldn't make sense with the whole thing that I'm going to play tomorrow just to give you a little insight or when the next show is. It's a really great clip about, I'll I'll get to it tomorrow about COVID-19 and the breakdown. But on that note, instead, since we're ending with something different. I forgot I'd changed the entire show because this was, this felt really important to me. I'll leave you with something basic in general, but I love you guys as always question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.